0: Or guys. Yeah, I'm Vinny. I'm Andres. I'm Tyler. I'm Scott. <laughs> Still Scott, huh?
1: And I'm Pete Lee, the guest <laughs> this week. I was gonna introduce you, but that works too. I, I just wanted to go along with what you guys were doing, and I, I also wanted to like NPR it a little bit. Um, and I m pete lee <laughs>
0: that's, that's right ladies and gentlemen we have star of screen stage television the one and only pete lee with us today oh my god
1: the star of videos that you've shot for me through the hole in the sound booth <laughs> <laughs> the star of those things as well um I don't know if you know this, but one of the uh, the first Tonight Show that I got, uh, I got it from a video that you let me set up my camera in the sound booth and zoom it in. Really? And yeah. That like so, I give you full credit. Oh, thanks. Me. I <laughs> did not know that. I well, it, it is it uh, yes. that is what happened it was it was through your directorial debut (laughs) that i got on the tonight show i I
0: didn't know that i've had this i've had this honor this whole time and didn't even know
1: i wanted to wait for a big moment to tell you this is i appreciate (laughs) that pete yeah that that warms my heart yeah i absolutely love that This is this is awesome. I feel bad that you two are sharing a mic, and we had a splitter issue. I just want the I want the crowd to know yeah. that we had a splitter issue.
0: Davis, the splitter doesn't work. We need better equipment.
1: Yeah, Davis. <laughs> this, I feel like, by the way, we love Davis. Um, uh, he's absolutely great. Um. His, uh, his wife is right about everything. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, she came to the show last night and, um, and I was like, I'm, when we go on the podcast tomorrow, I'm going to tell Davis uh, through li- him listening to this. That his wife is right about everything. Uh, you should buy her everything. You should agree with her on everything. And this is what happens when you're not here is that your wife wins every fight. We're going to agree with you. Or we're going to agree with your wife about everything.
0: That'll teach you to go out of town.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, have fun going to Red Rocks, Davis. <laughs> <laughs> He's
2: going to the donkey races. That disappoints me. Is, <laughs> really? Jealous? He's at a donkey race today. He's
1: at a donkey. He, wait, so that is his, that's his priorities? I can't Red blame rocks. him. Red Those, Rocks and Donkey Those <laughs> are his priorities? Is that over
2: this right now? No. Actually, Donkey Races sound amazing. <laughs> he texted me yesterday and said, hey, do you have any tips for me at the Donkey Races? Got any Donkey Facts? <laughs> is he trying to impress his new donkey racing friends? I, I don't know. He wanted to know how to lay the bets down. I guess. <laughs> and I, I did have some donkey facts. For him.
1: <laughs> Wait, will you? All right. I feel like this is a like a good segment. Uh, donkey facts. Donkey facts. <laughs> um, what What are the tips in donkey betting? Like, what What would? You, how would you rate a stall? They're not called stallions, right? They're called asses, right? Like, how would you? How would you rate that ass? Like, how would would you pick it? Do you pick it by name?
0: Do you, like, do you look at their stats? color of the jersey on the jockey? Yeah.
2: (laughs) The one fact I gave him was the donkeys only, they're not really lazy and slow, like everybody says. Okay. They exert like a third of their energy for every task, because it's like their defense mechanism. Hmm. Huh. You know? Find a donkey that's not feeling cautious that day. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe it's like a crowd at a comedy show where they're real ah. chatty and you know they kind of want to be there. You find the donkey that's just chumming it up with everybody before. Okay. So the key to donkey racing is getting there early and getting to know the donkey. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> See the personalities. See what it's eaten. <laughs> that's funny. That's really,
1: that's really... I hope that Davis is there studying donkeys right now because you told him. <laughs> and the rest of his friends that he's there with, um, which I hope that he's
0: there with friends. because his he... brother and his dad are there. Okay,
1: good. Because if he's just alone at a donkey race, <laughs> I well, like, I don't know really who's at the race. I
2: mean, he might be at the race by himself.
0: Yeah,
1: that's weird
2: behavior. Yeah. Like. walk around, what's this donkey do in the pasture, sir? Are you a friendly donkey?
1: Yeah. That's all. Oh, all right. Well, hi, Davis. Your wife is delightful, and she loves you, and she's right about everything. <laughs>
3: fuck you, Davis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> and also, fuck you, Davis. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Yeah. How can you not say fuck you to your friend named Davis? <laughs> like, you can't be like, oh, man, I love you, Davis. You got to be like, fuck off, Davis. <laughs> it just flows <laughs> off the tongue. Yeah, it's way better. That's, that's like if you have a friend named Schmitty. They're always a douche. I'm like, Dah, Schmitty. Yeah, that, that's a dick name. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, he's, oh, he's pissing in mailboxes, Schmitty. <laughs> <laughs> Schmitty.
2: Yeah, my, I don't think I have any Schmitty friends. My school Schmitty is on a list now. Like the FBI list? No, like a can't-go-near-schools list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. That's a bad list, too.
0: That's not a good list. No.
1: Did he, All right, did your friend... Because uh, we've all heard stories of people are, that are like, yeah, man, I went into the wrong bathroom, uh, and I, I was, like, piss-wasted, and I went into the wrong bathroom, and then now I'm on a list. And you're like, oh, yeah. All right. So you're not, like, you, you're just an idiot. You're or, not a bad person. Or also you get those That's ones
3: that, uh like pee in the park and happy to be by a school. And then they're on the list.
1: Yeah. Then they're on the list. And then you got like the real
2: people that should really be on those lists. (laughs) Not my friend (laughs) earned his place on that list. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. Like uh, in a very underaged way. Ooh. Okay. Um, This is getting worse. Oh, yeah. Schmidty's a pedo.
0: (laughs) Damn. It was big
2: talk of the town for a while. Damn, damn, damn. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good at all. No. That's,
1: oh, my God. Yeah. I don't, I've never even understood that, like, because kids are so annoying, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes, they are. They really are. I don't. I don't even understand. Like, like bachelorette parties are annoying and oh. kids are more annoying than them. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you would be like, oh, I got to. I gotta hang out with a kid. <laughs> like, I think we should probably change the subject. Yeah. I'm well I'm I mean I think like yeah, I just want to be clear that I'm anti pedophile. Uh I'm
2: very anti pedophile, just for the record. Door
3: guys are definitely anti pedophile. We yes. don't we don't donate. support
2: that at all. We don't support it at Tyler all. Tyler is not friends with Schmidty. Not friends <laughs> at all. Tyler's not friends with Schmidt. Anymore. You just know of him. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: I worked on a derby car with him once. That was it.
1: A derby car, like one of. The, are you talking about one of those cars that you roll downhill that doesn't
2: have an engine? No, they yeah. have engines. and You just smash them. A into demo derby. Car, so.
1: Oh, a demolition derby. Yeah. So he ruins everything in his life. <laughs> <laughs> Good call.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think Pete has narrowed down Schmitty now. Yeah, I've narrowed. I've
1: narrowed it down. We've <laughs> Tyler last night. We were we were having drinks out on the patio, and um, we were basically toasting a medicine hat because last night was the anniversary of when he passed away. And um, uh, Tyler was telling us some some great, just like when he just starts talking about his life. I'm always like. <laughs> Dude, you write that down. Write that other <laughs> thing down. Write that one down. Um, he told this story last night about how I don't know. You should you should tell it. But I also kind of want to tell it. But uh, he he was like, man, we had the best open mic, and then they got a golden tea machine, and it ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so earnest that like like he had this beautiful art space that he had this open mic, and then they invested in a golden tea, and then he what do you say that like there was some. Some cokehead in the town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cokehead would just come in and play golden tea and ruin the whole show. <laughs> the owner
2: and he was the first night of the golden tea machine. I was on stage, just brought the next comic up, and he starts, and then I hear. Fuck yeah, motherfuckers, <laughs> golden tea bitches, <laughs> fuck you guys. And just yelling to all his buddies right next to the doorway of the deal. Yeah. I was like, oh, they care about the arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So he's not here to see me. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I do
1: feel like that darts are an Adderall game and cocaine uh, cocaine is golden tea. Because, like, you <laughs> yeah. know when, when guys, like, r- they hit that wheel? Slam it as hard yeah. as they can. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. cocaine energy. Like, <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of golden tea repairmen that are like, fucking cocaine.
0: <laughs>
4: what is this? Well, if it wasn't for
0: the cocaine, then they'd be out of business.
1: Yeah, they really would be. Yeah, they need the cocaine people. I bet they sell cocaine on the side. <laughs> <laughs> just so that way the shit will break. Yeah, just so that their stuff will break. But, yeah, and then he used it, used it term last night uh, called pillbilly uh, like a, uh, uh, a hillbilly yeah. that loves pills that's
0: great yeah. I lo- you're you're great you're amazing <laughs> like thank know. you that's why we like to have him on the podcast he's yeah. always got something that has happened or is he's just recently done or yeah. he, he's full of uh entertaining stories
2: i'm always willing to tell him too and he's in the <laughs> right business
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you're you're an open soul you're, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, this is, this is great. And I want to bring up, uh, the, um, the medicine hat thing. Uh, yes. you know, obviously he I was, was somebody, to, yeah, he, uh, so I, I, have a medicine hat story that it actually was what got me in with Todd and Tyler. Cause they were like, uh, Hey Pete, you want to come up to the studio? And, uh, <laughs> they like tried me out. This was back in 2002, I believe. Okay. And it was at the old funny bone and medicine hats opener fell out. Uh, I mean, why do medicine hat Why? Why do? Why? Why did hats openers fall out? Because they relapsed? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, was, probably. So I got the gig and um, and Colleen called me up and it was one of those things where I'd been calling her for like two years straight being like, hi, Colleen. Um, I sent you my avail spreadsheet and I, I think that there's some open dates that would be a fit. And and, and Colleen would be like, "Okay, Pete, uh, I uh, don't have anything for you right now, but thank you for your call, and I will talk to you never." And then Colleen finally called me, and she was like, "Can you get to Omaha? I need you to open for Hat." And I uh, I opened for him, and all my friends they were like, "They're like, oh my god, like." Uh, cause like, like I'm, I'm not innocent, but I'm, you know, like at that time I pr- was very innocent and my friends were like, you're going to open for like medicine hat. And there was like a yeah. video of him in Nashville where like some guy came up on stage and he like had his pocket knife and he almost stabbed him and shit. Yeah. And then like people, everybody was like, this is the week you do cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 you can't not do cocaine with medicine hat. And I was, so I was like driving to Omaha in my Pontiac grand I'm like, this is where my life changes. <laughs> and then I get to the comedy club early that day. Cause I, Colleen was like, Uh, Pete. Uh, why don't you come in and we can have a conversation and I'll get to know you before the shows. And I just was like, that sounds terrifying. (laughs) And and Colleen is like a mother to all of us, and she's one of the most warm, sweet. She's one of my longest friends and dear, dear friends, and one of the best people. But like Colleen's not not intimidating if you've never met her first. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: she freak out or they get nervous to have to meet her even have her in the room while they're on stage yes
1: i was terrified to go (laughs) just sit in her office and like this was before i was on zoloft like this is before i knew about any so i was like maybe i'll have a coffee and then go talk to colleen yeah i'm just sitting there shivering in her office (laughs) (laughs) and she's, she's asking me about my life and getting to know me and all that kind of stuff so uh we get to know each other apparently i passed the test and then um uh, Madison Hat pulls up, and uh, and he's driving a minivan. And, um, <laughs> which was not what I yeah. thought from this like cocaine cowboy uh-huh. <laughs> and, and this cute little girl gets out and he's like, Hey, this is my daughter. And, uh, you know, I have her for the weekend and, and he's like, Colleen said that you're a really nice guy. Do you want to go to the zoo with us? And then <laughs> I went to the fucking zoo
4: <laughs> and
1: we like saw the pandas and all this crazy stuff and like had a, uh, met you know, those little, uh, wax press things where it's like, like, uh, it's like the little machine where you put the dollar in or you swipe. Yeah, your credit card Yeah. And then it, it makes this statues. weird wax statue. Like medicine hat bought me one of those and like a, like a Henry Dorley zoo t-shirt. Uh, and like, I got matching shirts with his daughter. Uh, and, um, and then we did the show that night and like, uh, I did 15 minutes and I killed so hard that medicine hat was like, tomorrow you're doing five.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yep.
1: yes, that's, a, that's like the biggest compliment in the world. Um, yep. and, uh, then I went on Todd and Tyler the next morning because Medicine Hat recommended me, and they're like, "Oh, so Medicine Hat? Like, or did you have a crazy night? Like, did you do cocaine?" You know, <laughs> I was like, "He took me to the zoo with his daughter." And that was the extreme thing that I did with this crazy extreme comic, and so we we laughed at that. And then um, I remember there was a so we bonded over that on Todd and Tyler, and then there was this lady named Cindy that called up that I said something that offended her. Like, I think I. I had like some joke that I said about, um, like, like, uh, I, I just, like, described this girl that I had hooked up with that had a C-section scar, but it kind of looked like a Nike swoosh. <laughs> and, and, like, the whole time that we were having sex, I just kept thinking, like, just do it, you know? And, like, and I'm just telling those, you know, they're real guys, and I was just yeah. trying to tell, like, a real guy story and um, not being disparaging to this woman with the C-section scar, but I just I talked about it with them. And then this lady named Cindy called up, and she was like, I have a C-section scar and I feel like you're personally attacking me and blah <laughs> and you know how nice I am. But all of a oh, sudden yeah. I just went after, I just went after Cindy and, uh, or Cynthia. And, um, and then they were like, oh, you can come back anytime. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that was your in, that was my in. And, um, you know, and I hung out with medicine, had a couple times after that and he meant the world to me. So last night, uh, we got uh, we got like once upon in, once upon a time in Hollywood like
2: blind drunk last night on the patio. <laughs> and it was great. Nice. I drank so many liquid deaths, Mom. <laughs> he, he did. Still sober. He did. He did. <laughs> he's still
1: sober, but Colleen and I got uh, we got rip roaring drunk, and
0: that's why there's no regular liquid death left today.
2: I'm just as upset about it as you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how you asked me, like, where's that at? I'm like, oh, I
3: don't know. You're the one that fucking finished it all. That's why we are left with the sparkling stuff today. Colleen yeah. just
2: kept cracking them, and I just kept slugging them. <laughs>
1: You're literally a tall drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Last yes night... He was.
1: I got on stage after Ty, and I was like, I was like, he's a big boy, man. I was like, that's crazy. I was like, I was like, literally, I feel like every time his mom sees him, she's like, ha. <laughs> you know, like, and then his mom comes up to me after the show, his. His very regular sized mom and then his like even bigger than him dad um, came, comes up to me and his mom goes, thanks for talking about my vagina right up front. <laughs> <laughs> she was so honored. She, Your mom is so cool. Your, your mom is so beautiful and cool and your dad is so huge. Yeah. I
2: can't even like, I, like, how is somebody bigger than you? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, he's big. I was supposed to, the doctor always said I was going to be 67 and then I was always like oh, cuz we were a de, we were delayed puberty boys mm. wow like he didn't grow until he was a senior and I was like 16 before Oh, okay. I was changing as like a junior in high school. Everybody done it when they were in like junior high. And yeah. all of a sudden I started growing. It was like, I'm emotional. <laughs> <laughs> my voice changing. My emotions are growing, yeah. but my feet aren't.
1: That's funny. I I was five eight when I went to college and now I'm six one. So I but I also went to college when I was seventeen because I was in not because I was smart, but I was like early for my grade yep, or what Me too. And uh I remember my mom would say she'd be like Peter, I just, I'm sorry. And I was like, what? Like, I'm sorry, you're 5'8". And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. By the way, being five, it's great. Like, I, I mean, airplanes would be way more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then, but I, I grew to be six one, and this is my life. And I'm shorter than you.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Complain about tall people problems with you know, yeah. Giganto over there.
1: Yeah, it felt so <laughs> emasculating to get the mic at, the, at your level last night. I was <laughs> like, hi, and just like pulled it down. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was waiting for there to be. If you, if you guys didn't have such good sound here, it would have gone. <laughs> <laughs>
4: like,
2: Whenever so, I host open mics, I just get used to never taking the mic out of the stand. I yeah. just always lift the stand up and down and just keep it in. And then I don't have to change it or shit like that. Like a giant? Yeah, so I just like walking yeah. around holding the stand a lot of times and never adjusting the mic. Are things heavy to you or is everything light to you because you're so big and strong? Uh, I'm not that big and strong. Like, there's a skinny person in this Okay. Uh, amidst, amidst this huskiness.
1: All right. I just I just didn't know. I mean, I guess you only know what you know. Like, you only know what things feel like to lift for you. But I feel like if I were to lift the mic stand the whole time, I'd be like. Oh, no. It, yeah, it's with. It doesn't feel hefty. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you're. All right. Now, if, now we're, this is. Uh, and I'm just interviewing Ty. About, I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, like when you get like when women come up to you after the show and stuff like that, like, are they just like, I just want to be with a big body. Like, are, is that kind of a vibe? Do you get like a fetish? Vibe
2: from that? Okay. I, I do get some of those. Mm-hmm. I seem to do well with older. Ah. With older, yeah. Like, maybe that's my own fetish, but. No, I mean. And then they're like, oh, you're. S-. Lots of, for a while here, I would tell jokes about being big, and I would get, like, middle-aged suburban women, like, rubbing me, like, you're not that big. Like, <laughs> I wasn't, you're not that big. i like, okay <laughs> you're like six three three hundred pounds i'm pretty big
1: you're a bit yeah dude you're you're big i would yeah i would just imagine like because um like i've I, like i have friends that are girls and like especially if, if you're dating a girl and then you're around her friends they're they will say some shit at a brunch that will make you feel bad as a man. You know, like, like they'll just tell you what they really like. And you're like, well, I don't have that. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, like they'll just talk about guys like you. Like, I just loved it because he made me feel small.
4: You know, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't
2: think, I think I date women that are the same size as me. <laughs> <laughs> Most all of the girls I seem to have long-term relationships with are like 5'3". Yeah, I don't know how that happens, but it always ends up being super short chicks.
1: Yeah, my girlfriend now is she's five three and um, I like it. I fucking I like feeling bigger than her. I like that (laughs) because your
0: other women, they were about as tall as you.
1: Well, they were like they were like five, eight, five, nine. Then you put heels on that and you're you're very much on the same plane and like. I don't, I don't know. Like maybe it sounds sexist that I was like, I like feeling bigger than her. <laughs> also, you know, if you're going to be get all woke on my preferences, fuck off. All right? <laughs> like, like, isn't it crazy that we're like, uh, we're in this day and age where we're like, all right, you're, uh, like, like you're, you're a lady, but you're, but, um, I respect that you're, I respect your pronouns. I respect that uh, like you, you used to be a she, and now you're a they, and I totally, 100% respect that. And then you, uh, you're you poly, so you date whoever you like, and I respect that. And then I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, uh, I, I'm kind of into short chicks, and people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what did you just say? <laughs> yeah, whoa. <laughs> like, that's, ooh, you can't have a type, you know? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, the, like, the fuck I can't. Yeah, I respect everyone else's type. And so why can't I have a preference? Yeah. yeah.
2: I brought a bumble date here once to see a show. And that was because I was not that into it. I was like, let's go to the club so I can at least hang out. (laughs) 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 And she was 6'3 and German. Oh and man. yeah, I think I was working in A. I remember yeah, we were- <laughs> Davis come up behind me, he's like, Holy shit. And he's <laughs> like, There's gonna be college coaches here. <laughs> I was like, you do like- <laughs> <laughs> that whole night I was like, Holy Christ. I mean, we should have been right next to each other on a line. <laughs> Dude, you
1: gotta write. This is another case that you gotta write that down. Dude, uh, you brought a bumble date. She's six three. There's gonna be college coaches there. <laughs> write it down. Yeah. Like you gotta write I'll this down. My phone. That is so funny. <laughs> there's gonna be college coaches. Like they were, there were college coaches that were scouting your children. They were literally. <laughs> like, They're like, all right, yeah. Like, have you ever heard about, like, how China made Yao Ming? Like, they basically put their best two athletes together, and then they were like, you will be together, and you will mate. And then they made Yao Ming. And so from the time that Yao Ming was... Before Yao Ming was Yao Ming, people were like, let let us speak of Yao Ming. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what your child
2: would be with this... this Yeah. This is horrible, but my high school coach always used to say... Good breed stock. (laughs) (laughs) That small town, that small town words right there. Good breed stock. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever
1: you, yeah, like, I mean, you touch about it on stage, but like, yeah, you hear some of those baseball announcers talking about their prospects and they're like, yeah, it sounds like they have a crush on the guy, you know? Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) It's like you trying to get on his nuts. Why? I mean, we're talking about high school because even some of the little league Little League World Series announcers, they're like, oh, this kid's going to be, you know, something and keep it an up. I'm like, all right, you're talking a little kind of pedo there. You might want to back it off. Yeah, you're, you're like Schmitty. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Long back
1: on that kid. What? <laughs> no, that's not a thing you can say. Not on TV.
2: <laughs> no, you can't say that. I had an official recruiting meeting with Shadron State for football, and I was a junior transfer, and they just got me from the lunch line. That's really? a real. Like they brought me in. Like I was stand. I was getting a pop. Like after visiting the potato bar, and I felt somebody back hugged me. Like, and it was it was the defensive line coach. And he said, "God, you're a big old bear." and I had a hold of me, and I turned around. And he said, "God, what are you? Six three, six four? How big are you?" 290, 300, <laughs> and just kept going through the whole deal. And I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and we talked for like five minutes. He's like, we're low on size. And then I went sat down with these kids. It was orientation. Uh huh. I mean, I just got there. And I sat down there like, all those coaches are talking about you. I look back, and there's just a whole group of them, and they're all pointing at me. (laughs) And then they came, and they came, and they brought me into a meeting just based on the back hug, just getting (laughs) sized up in a lunch line.
0: He felt your abs, and he knew that you had the strength that they needed. (laughs) Well, I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, you're an an immovable object, I would think. Um, But had you played football previously? Like, what was your – like, or were you just like, yeah, I'll learn. I'm huge.
2: I played in high school. My – my dad was my head football coach Okay, until my senior year. I grew up around it, and therefore that's kind of why I ended up being like, fuck football. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that makes sense. Yeah, you go one of two ways with that.
0: Yeah. That, but
2: when you're getting attention and they're like, come in and talk, I'm like, okay, okay. Well, I'll go. I'll make dad happy to at least, he'll be like, oh, man, you got a meeting? And he was pumped for like two days. <laughs> until you said no? No, I told him. I, I told him I wanted to be a rodeo clown. <laughs> I wanted to do stuff on the rodeo team at college. And yeah. I said I want to fight bulls, and the guy looked at me and goes, "You should be on the line." <laughs> I said, "You're not really made for that." I said, I, "I know, but I want to. I don't want to play football." That's so funny that you
1: like you were like you had the option to just go head to head with other large human beings, and you're like, "No, fuck it." Bulls. Bulls. yeah. <laughs> people are too small. I need something yeah. more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. But that is also like, like a lot of people that become comedians, you know, they like, you know, they got to like break the news to their parents, like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be a doctor or a lawyer. I'm going to be a comedian. And like, I think you kind of bait and switched your family. You're, they were, it was like, they wanted you to play football and you're like, no, rodeo clown. And then
0: you're like, you're like, now comedian. And they're like, we love it. We're,
4: we're, we support
1: you.
0: That is <laughs> yeah, now they're all in. So what did you do before? I mean, were you gonna be a doctor or, oh, or yeah. something like that? I was pre med for three years in college, and
1: then um, I I had I, so I had started writing comedy. I don't like I don't know about um, you know you guys like I like I I started writing comedy <coughs> long before I I did comedy, and so but I just was so nervous to get up on stage. And um, my freshman year roommate, he would always be like, "Dude, you got to do stand up." And uh, we'd go to the dorm cafeteria and like you know nowadays like like. You know, like, well, most of us in this room have some sort of facial hair and beard or whatever. Yeah. My roommate had, like, this big Hemingway beard, and nobody in 1995 at the University of Minnesota had a beard like that. We were like, <laughs> you freak. But he was, like, uh he was one of those guys that, like, had muscles on muscles and a beard before that was ever even cool. Gotcha. He looked like a lumberjack, and his, his name's Tim. And, um but he he also had already already written two novels and that were like published and stuff he was like a, he was an intellectual and like a tough mountain guy and he used to just get high and come to lo- like come to dorm brunch or like dorm dinner and uh, all of us were so square we were like he's getting high and going eating dorm food now like, <laughs> could you imagine eating dorm food not high like that's, that's crazy like what were you thinking yeah what are you thinking so he would just get high and i thought that he was like doodling but he was like writing down the funny stuff that i said kind of like what i'm doing to you right now where i'm like write that down like he, he was just <laughs> writing it down and then at the end of the year he gave me that he gave me that notebook and i was like i was like well shit this is funny i maybe i need to do, do comedy and yeah. then um uh, and then I spent, like, two more years uh, just, like, writing more jokes and, like, hemming and hawing. And I kind of did, like, the Miss Maisel thing where we'd throw parties at our house. We had this house where, like, eight dudes lived in one house. It wasn't even, like, up to, like, fire code. <laughs> and uh, we had, like, a guy that just, like, l- like, would sleep on the couch randomly and then, you know, like... Like if, if people were up, he'd be like, Oh, I guess I can't sleep anymore. You know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so like we'd have these big house parties and I would just like sit on the back of the couch with my notebook and be like, is this funny? Is this funny? And like, I'd ask the room full of people. Finally, my roommates got so annoyed that they took me to the Acme open mic, and we were just going to go watch uh, because it was Nick Swarton's last night in Minnesota, and then they signed me up. And so when the sheet came out, I was like, ah, shit. (laughs) 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 Like, I got to do this. So I had to, like, compile three minutes of my best stuff, and then I went up and I killed. And um, I have a similar story to Dave Chappelle. Like, killed the first time, was like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm a natural. And then the next eight times, eight Bloody death, horrible <laughs> shit. Really? And so I was like, I'm a comedian. And then I was like, I'm a comedian. I <laughs> guess I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. And I, but I went to I went to school the next day. And um, after that first uh, that first open mic where I killed for three minutes, and I was like, I wanted to be a doctor. I know that I've already done most of the the prerequisites for pre med. And I don't want to do that anymore. And how can I get out of college as fast as possible? And, <laughs> and they were like, journalism. <laughs> like, Jour- you can be a journalism major. And so I switched to journalism. And, uh, you know, I graduated uh, with honors, all that kind of stuff. But it took it took me five years to get out. And then after that, my dad was like, uh, he's like, you got to get a job in your field. And journalism doesn't really exist anymore. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah, and, it doesn't. Uh, you know, and, and uh, like, you, where no matter what side of the aisle you're on, like you I, you can, you feel, I, you, you know what I'm talking about, like, yeah. you just, journalism's kind of bullshit right you now. You just
0: say it's shit, like, and then, hey, I'm a journalist. Yeah, like, en- no, you're not.
1: It's entertainment. Hey, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna bring two people on to fight, <laughs> and that's journalism <laughs> yeah. now. And um, so my dad was like, you got to work in your field. So uh, I had a, I had a minor in advertising, and um. I got a job in advertising. So like, like the stuff that you're doing right now, where you're like, you're working your ass off and you're, uh, I'm pointing to Tyler, by the way, for the people isn't, but um, (laughs) uh, you're know where you like working your ass off doing another job. And then you're also moonlighting at night. Like I was doing like 80 hours a week in advertising, like sleeping on the couch in my little cubicle that I had. And, uh, and then like doing comedy, sleeping, like I would literally just go back to work drunk and be like deep. And then um, we had a shower at work that I could shower. And, uh, Yeah. So I did that for, I'd made a deal with my dad that I would do that for three years. And, um, and I did it for exactly three years. And then I went out on the road. Uh, (laughs) It was like, I was like, I'm done. But, uh, the way that I got the job at, at the ad agency was I was uh, submitting resumes every single, like every month I'd go to the ad agencies. I'd be like, here's my resume to the front desk clerk. Yeah. And, um, I was on stage at knuckleheads in mall of America and it was was this terrible comedy club that like, you know, just like, imagine still there. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's not there anymore. It closed down, but it was like, it was literally like, like, are you a bachelorette party? Come here now.
0: Oh, that sounds brutal. It
1: was, it was just all bachelorette parties every single night. And, um, and anyway, so, um, I was at knuckleheads and there was this lady sitting in the front row, uh, with her, uh, who's now her wife. And, uh, and I just, I was like hosting, (laughs) And then, you know, kind of going around the room being like, what's your deal? You know? Yeah. And then I was like, I was like, you, I was like, What well, I was like, what's your deal? What do you, uh, what do you do for a living? And she's like, I run Martin Williams advertising in Minnesota. And I was like. Is your name Lanny Dawson? And she was like, Yeah. And I was like, Fuck you. <laughs> I was like, Fuck you so hard. I was like, I've been giving my resume to you every single month and you ever, re- you and not called me back. I was like, Fo- Go fuck yourself. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: the crowd was like just roaring. They're like, Oh my God, this is so funny. Like, like this lady runs the thing that he wants to be in and he's just and he's burning the bridge. Fuck her. <laughs> yeah. And, and I only said her full name because uh, she's now a dear friend of. But she walked up to me after the show and she's like, here's my card. She's like, we're in Minnesota. Nobody shoots it to me straight as long as you as long as you will keep telling me the truth and be honest with me while you're my employee. Like she's like, I want you to work for me and you're hired. Nice. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. It was yeah, so fucking crazy. Awesome. So she, I went in for, because I had to go like interview with the other people in the department. And they're uh-huh. like, well, we, we know you already got the job. But like, <laughs> they were like, did you really get the job by telling
2: Lanny to fuck off? Cause like, <laughs> we've <laughs> never told her to fuck off.
1: And I was like, you should probably start telling her to fuck off <laughs> if you want to raise. And, um,
2: but, but yeah,
1: and that is my origin story. <laughs>
2: That's but awesome. Did you watch comedy? Did you, like, go to comedy shows before you started?
1: I did, yeah. Um, I remember one time I went to a comedy show where I saw Doug Stanhope open up for Mitch Hedberg. And wow. it was like Because we would just go to Acme in Minnesota, and, like, I remember Stanhope was headlining the week before, and we went to go see him, and then... You know, Stanhope is just a, kind of a random guy. Like, he'll just, he'll, he'll be, like, he kind of goes, he's a leaf, you know? Like, yeah. if the wind blows him this way, he goes that way, he blows over there, and he's had a great life being a leaf. And uh, so Hedberg came into town. And he's like, oh, man. He's like, I don't want to leave town. I just want to hang out and party with you. And then he was like, how about I feature? And so he, f- the, you know, the feature bumped down to the MC. And then I remember going to see Stanhope and then coming there the next week to see Hedberg. And going like, holy shit, we get to see Stanhope again? Yeah. And it was like a whole different half an hour from the you know the week before. And then we got to see Hedberg after that. It was amazing.
0: That sounds like a
3: great show.
1: Yeah, it was so awesome. But yeah, did did you guys watch comedy? You guys all watched comedy before being it, involved. The funny in thing, that. like
3: when I was a kid growing up, like I would watch, like that's the first one I really remember is uh, Hedberg on Comedy Central, like that half hour special. Like mm. I was like, this is funny. And then like throughout, things would change. Like, oh, I like Gary Owen, like just different comedy and stuff. And.
1: Yeah, isn't it funny how you like you, there's your there's your there's like your gateway comedian that mm. gets you in, and then you start to branch out to all the other comics that you like. Oh it, yeah, like um, a lot of comics talk shit about Dane Cook, but like I think he was a lot of people's gateway comic into comedy. Oh for sure, and he I mean he's responsible. Blew up. Yeah, blew up, and he's responsible for so many people you know loving different you know like they wouldn't have found. You know, I mean, Dave Chappelle wasn't who Dave Chappelle is now, right? But like, he built a fan base, and there were probably a lot of people that found Dane Cook and then found Dave Chappelle and was like, wow, isn't this wonderful?
0: You yeah. Know. They, you never know who the, your gateway comic is, you know, and I was talking to Andres about it when we were waiting to get into the club. Cause Davis left and didn't give us the fucking keys. Fuck you, Davis. <coughs> and, fuck, fuck uh, you Davis. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, people were, would say to me all the time when I first started here, you know, who's working there? And I would tell them the name and they would just look at me and shrug their shoulders. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter that you have never heard of them because some of the funniest people you've never even heard of are, you know, they're, you've never heard of them and they're the funniest people you ever see. Yeah. And so, you know, then people start to come out on my recommendations. And so some of those some of the people coming up through here and I'm, I know you are one for sure are people's great gateway comics to come in. And then I start seeing them come back more asking me for tickets. And because of that one person who they never heard of. Yeah. You know, got them into. He sold comedy.
2: tickets and got
0: you online now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, did. he really did. I love yeah. Pete. I mean, yeah. what can I say? He
1: absolutely did. And hey, what's going on, Bendig? Um, this is the part of the podcast where we say, Hey, what's going on? Bendig to Bendig, <laughs> who's walking through the back of the room. Uh, I knew Bendig before he even had his first tattoo. That's how long I've known. <laughs> wow. That's forever. <laughs> yeah. He's inked up He's, last week. I went to Hawaii and, um, I almost got my first tattoo and, uh, I, so I, sir, it stopped I'm, you. Um, so I, uh, I'll tell you what stopped me. So, um, Oh, I just I'm I'm drinking Liquid Death now sparkling that, that bubble stuff I get you and the, the I think it was more the death than the liquid <laughs> just, just came up and I had like you know one of those burps that like normally you can feel a like a burp you're like it's coming and the Liquid Death was like it's here <laughs> <laughs> it's already here <laughs> um so uh the the girl that I am dating uh is totally my full on girlfriend now um uh she. Uh, I was telling her I was, I was like, all right, so I'm gonna get my first tattoo. My friends Nico and Abby are getting married, and like, I love surfing. Like, yeah. I like mm-hmm. I surf every day that I'm home in LA. I surf. I live right across from a surf spot. How
0: long ago did you get into that? I know because uh, I'm obviously being in Minnesota, New York. You didn't, didn't become a surfer out there. Surfer. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Uh, well, it probably back in like 2005. I started taking surf lessons. I I worked okay. with uh, Greg Giraldo a long time ago, the late great Greg Geraldo. And I remember we were in Myrtle Beach together and I was like, man, I can't wait to take surfing lessons. And he was like such a New Yorker, like anything that would give you pleasure outside of comedy or, you know, just partying or whatever. He was like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you wake up early and go surf a wave like that just seems so stupid to him? And I was like, I was like, honestly, man, I go, I want to go surfing so badly that right now I'm choosing between groceries and surfing. <laughs> and and he was like, All right. He's like, let's go to High V and I'll buy you some fucking groceries so you can go surfing. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg Geraldo bought me groceries and nice. then um, at the show that night uh, on stage, I was like, man, Greg Geraldo just bought me groceries. Uh, you know, like, like, uh, like, you know, when you're on stage and you're killing and then like, you kind of want to say something nice about the next guy, you know, so that like, there's, there's like a transfer of the show. Cause yeah. you you always have people at comedy clubs that come up and like in front of the other comedians, they'll be like, I liked you better, you know? And that's, uh-huh. I'm, I'm a big fan of like, we're all friends with each other. We want the whole show to be good. And, um, and I remember I, I crushed so hard, that I was just like, hey, you guys, Greg Giraldo is one of the best comedians in the world. And, uh, and you know, I mean, he didn't need my help. He's Greg Giraldo. Yeah. Know, mm-hmm. But, like, I just wanted to, like, ha- add some camaraderie to the whole experience. And I was like, not only is he one of the best comedians, but, like, he literally bought me groceries because I was either going to get surf lessons or I was going to buy groceries. And then this guy stands up, just total, like, surf bro, and he's like, I'll give you free free lessons, bro. And then you can have, like, a little bit of extra money and groceries and lessons. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, I was like sick. And, uh, You're into the surfer l- lingo yeah, quick. Yeah, I was, like, <laughs> that's so sick, man. And, and then I met this dude at the beach at, like, 6.45 a.m. And uh, he gave me a free lesson before all of his lessons uh, started. And then um, because I was a skateboarder, a snowboarder, a water skier, like I picked up on it real quick. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, he's like, man, I'm super stoked that you're stoked. He's like, "Um, how about you just keep the board for the week? And I had rented a pickup truck. Like, you know, when when you get to the airport and you want a car and then they're like, we have a pickup truck. And you're (laughs) like, "Okay, so we're doing this. (laughs) So I just threw the board in the back of the pickup truck all week and I surfed. And then right before I went to the airport, I brought it back. But. Uh, that was the start of my surfing, and then I really didn't surf for a long time, and then in 2017, I went to Hawaii, and I took a lesson, and then I moved to California, and I bought my own boards and wetsuits and stuff and started to get real into it, and then about a year ago, when I moved to this beach break, that was when I started surfing, like, every day, and that's that's the key because, like, like, you really have to slowly build up a lot of shoulder and chest and back strength that, like, it takes time to develop it because otherwise you, like, roach your shoulders, and you get, like, you get like swimmers shoulder uh-huh. and you just can't do anything for the rest of your life. So, um, <laughs> it's, uh, so I, yeah, I've really built it up over time and, um, yeah, I, I, I like surf every day, uh, every day that I can. But right. I don't even know where I was going with that.
0: Oh, the Tat- tattoo. tattoo. The tattoo. Oh. <laughs> so Sorry, I interrupted. I wanted <laughs> no. to know, Damn I want to know it. the beauty. Yeah. Uh, hey, we heard his origin story for <laughs> yeah. the stage. I want to hear the
1: surfing origin story. So there's this tattoo that's basically like a thin line tattoo. That's just a wave. It's just like a simple wave. Uh-huh. Right. And, um, and I, so I told all my friends, uh, that I was, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get this wave. And they're like, well, that sounds cool. I don't know. And then, uh, uh, Nicole, my girlfriend, I go, um, I was like, yeah, I was like, let me tell you that I was like, I'm just going to get a little wave right there. And she goes, you do realize that's the most basic bitch tattoo <laughs> that you could ever get ever. And, um, and I was like, what really? And then, um, I started just like asking around and asking people and they're like, oh yeah, that's a huge basic bitch tattoo. <laughs> and then to my friends who are my friends, I was like, did you know that was a basic bitch tattoo? And they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we wanted you to get that. That's yeah. what we like. It, it, it would have been like a tramp stamp on my
3: arm. <laughs> and the funny thing is as you're explaining it, I have tattoos, I'm like, that's so fucking basic. Yeah. <laughs> that's yes. the same
1: thing as, as so, you're talking about. So fucking basic. And uh, and so I didn't end up getting it. Uh, but also the tattoo artist came to the wedding and then the tattoo artist just got drunk with the rest of us and mm. didn't end up pulling out his gear and doing any tattoos. And <laughs> so but the the tattoo artist is also somebody that uh, um, so my friend that who's wedding at his, he owns hotels, he owns restaurants. And then he also has a barbershop. Uh, he has like a barbershop, coffee shop, tattoo shop. So like I could go to this guy at any point and, gotcha. and get that wave that I really, in want. Hawaii <laughs> he owns that shit. I uh, know he owns it in Los Angeles, but okay. he just came to Hawaii for the wedding. Gotcha. And, but I don't know what I get. Like I don't, now I don't know what I'd get, uh, but I'm still, I have no ink and
0: need to get you a whole back, a whole back mosaic. <laughs>
1: Just that wave, but huge on my back. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Let's yeah. do a little, little surfing, Pete, inside the inside the <laughs> yeah. the wave.
0: Or, or get a circle house. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: do you know the the story behind the circle house thing? So, circle. House. Sean loves the circle house. <laughs> okay, so the this real circle house thing happened here, uh, like in um uh so i had this little so circle house was something that i i manufactured that because i wanted to change it because the real shirt i was just i don't know i was afraid that that like it'd be like a copyright thing just to describe a real shirt but yeah i had this tiny th- this shirt it was a green shirt with a little rooster that was smoking and uh and i was like and i wore it all the time and like i i'm not kidding you like I'd be out at bars and guys would buy me drinks and I, would like, like I would just be like, man, this is like my lucky shirt. I thought it was my lucky shirt. I was like, this, this is great. Like, hey, you want to do a shot? Yeah, okay. I didn't realize. I was like, hey, you want to do a shot? Like I didn't realize. I had no idea. I had no idea. I was just like, everybody's so nice when I wear this shirt. And uh, I was about to go on stage, and um, and Colleen goes, hey Pete. Uh, she goes. She goes, nice shirt. And I was like, I know, it's my lucky shirt. I love wearing it, and I'm about to go up. And she goes, you know what that means, right? And I was like, it's a little rooster smoking. She goes, it means cock smoker, you fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I've been wearing a shirt that says cock smoker (laughs) forever. And Colleen was like, yep, have fun on stage. And then I went up right behind me on this stage and i was like hey so i just found out some information and i <laughs> and i told i was like it's got a little rooster smoking and the whole crowd was like yeah that yeah, that's cool and i uh, and i was like and then i just found out that this means cock smoker and the room just blew up <laughs> and i'm still wearing the the thing and so that's But i reverse engineered it to make a joke about it where i I was like, um, I came up with a shirt that, it, like, my, I was like, my friends got it for me. that had a h- little house with a circle around it. And I was like, oh, Circle House, it's a cool band. Like, rocking it out to Circle House. And then my friends were like, no, that means home <laughs> <laughs> <And, laughs> Oh, so Similar to Cocksmoker. <laughs> but, yeah. but the, fu- the funny part about that, too, is that I sold Circle House shirts after the show yeah. for a long time. And um, they were a hit. And uh, they were really cute. They were they were like blue with like a little um. It, it was like like a light blue with like a green, almost like a like a forest green circle house. Yep. And people loved wearing them, and like the gay community loved them. I felt like it was a, a really good way to support that community, you know. And um, uh, and like they loved them. Dudes love buying them for their friends. As a, <laughs> as a, as a gag. You know. Um, uh, they were a great shirt. But one time I went down to Cozumel for this wedding and i like do you ever check your luggage and you're like this will be fine yeah. yeah. and um i wore i wore my circle house shirt as like a gag you know just like i was going out to meet on, all my on buddies. the trip on, on the, the trip yeah, yeah. yeah and so i get to the airport and my friends were like ah you're in the circle house shirt that's amazing and then uh we get there they lose my luggage for like 8 days so oh, i had fuck. i had the <laughs> circle house shirt and then i bought these uh swim trunks from the gift shop at the little thing so for for a lot of days, I just wore my Circle House shirt every day. That's all you had. Yeah, and people are like, well, how did you survive? Well, I was wearing a home-o shirt, <laughs> and I got a lot of drinks bought for me. <laughs> <laughs> so You had a new lucky shirt. Yeah, I, I had a new lucky shirt. So hat, Hats off to that community. They're, they're some of the best, most
0: generous people. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's time the the circle house shirts make a resurgence. I think we got to bring that back.
1: I think we also got to bring the you look fat when you cry. shirts. Yeah. Whenever I love that shirt. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I'm a, like my whole brand is, is, is like, it's okay to be sensitive. It's okay to be nice. And like, but I, when, when the whole woke craze started to come around, I think I caved to it and I stopped selling the you look fat when you cry shirts. Yeah. Cause I was just worried that I get canceled for, you know, selling a shirt that was so mean. Also I was like, this is kind of anti my brand and all that stuff. But like, it, bottom line, it's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I sold a crap ton of those and um I'm you know. Sure. I think if I sold that alongside the snuggle storm shirt, I think I
0: could really yeah, uh, I think you w- think they would sell out for sure. Yeah. I was uh, we went to a uh, concert last night to Rancid and Dropkick Murphy's mm. and uh down in Lincoln. Yeah, that's the shirt I have on. That's and awesome. uh, I ran into as I was walking around the corner, someone kind of grabbed me and pulled me in and gave me a hug. And I was like, who the fuck is touching me? And then I looked and it was uh, old door guy, Bob Fike, the short guy. Yeah. And uh, and so I told him that you were we were going to do this podcast with you today. he's like, oh, he's like, I love Pete. And he said he almost wore his "You Look Fat When You Cry" shirt to the show <laughs> yes. last night. He's like, I, he's like, I grabbed it, but then I switched over to this other one because I didn't want it to get all sweaty and fucked up in the pit. And
1: oh yeah, <laughs> you can ruin a shirt in the pit, but yeah, for yeah. Dropkick Murphys, "You Look Fat When You Cry" would be a great. Oh yeah, shirt. it would have been a great. I was like, oh, that would have been a
0: perfect shirt.
1: So yeah. By the way, I don't know what's happening with society right now. I mean, like we've all been through a global pandemic, but I was walking through Chicago O'Hare yesterday, and I just I just woken up from like the nap on the plane. And I just noticed that, like, especially women right now, they're wearing a lot of T-shirts with words on them. But, it, like, I, you'd walk past, like, a lady, and, like, she'd just have this disgruntled look on her face, and her shirt would say, like, nope, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, i think it's just the general vibe or like like not today you know or it's like funny <laughs> because my wife was wearing the exact same shirt last night to the concert <laughs> really? it said nope not today On <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: so funny i don't like it that's such a funny shirt to wear around that's like you're just, you have a billboard for your personality yep. and it's like, <laughs> don't talk to me until I've had my coffee, Steve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of them out there. And, you know, even on like the, all the internet t-shirt sites, they all have shirts that are all very much in that, that wheelhouse.
1: Yeah. They're tuning into, uh, I mean, like if the world is a tuning fork right now, some I think the vibration is like fuck <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like the no sign on the patio yeah the n- no 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 <laughs> <laughs> no yeah that's a, that, it for people that don't know there's a there's like a it should say i think this sh- this this sign should say no parking and it, it's like I think it's a sign that at some point Colleen's son stole from some place. Probably. <laughs> like a heavy sign that would go into a parking spot that says no parking. And uh but they he like etched off the parking and it just says no. <laughs> and it's on our patio. And it's on the patio. So no. No, no. parking on the patio. <laughs> Helicopters. If you're thinking about doing something on the patio, just no.
0: No. It should if it's on our patio, it should say no pissing. Yeah. Oh, do a lot of people go out there and piss. They used to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go over in the corner, guys, girls. I yeah. remember there was one Untamed Shrews show. There's some girl went over and pissed in the corner, and Colleen walked out, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you doing?
4: Yeah.
1: Oh, man, the shrews. They, uh, every single time that I would see Marge um, of the shrews, she would just walk up to me and then she would dick punch me, <laughs> <laughs> just every single time. And like, it wasn't like it wasn't like an under an uppercut. It was the back of the hand dick punch, oh. but where the flick of the end of the fingers really gets you in the nuts. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And I'd be like, "Ooh." <laughs> That's a Marge <laughs> thing to do, that's for sure. Yeah, it, she, every single time. And <laughs> like Colleen, that's how you know she loved you. Yeah, Colleen would even be like, will you just not do that to Pete? <laughs> like, I can't not do it. <laughs> <laughs> i say like Marge would say, nope. <laughs> yep, nope, nope.
0: <laughs> uh, I miss those to,
2: girls. I need to take an Insta selfie. Let's so take I can, an Insta selfie. So I can put a dip in. <laughs> oh yeah! You don't insta selfie with dips. All, I can't look all gumpy in the pictures. I do that. <laughs> this
0: this is the uh, insta selfie photo. Insta selfie. I've gotten segment. I've gotten I
2: carry snoozes now for Omaha chewing. Oh wait, wait. What? Like I carry those little pouches oh. for um. Omaha chewing <laughs> because I just feel like everybody's just judging the shit out of me when I walk. But in Mapleton, I can walk in with a big dip and they're like, hey, you got one?
0: (laughs) (laughs) In Mapleton, if you don't have one, they're looking at you, judgy? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Was it weird to dip in COVID where you were trying to keep our droplets to ourselves and then you got to be like,
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it kind of made for more grosser habits, like self harming ones, probably Uh, more. Oh, like swallowing the chew? Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But makes- yeah, I don't wanna be like in public watch your feet and my germs. <laughs> 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 I don't have COVID. I've yet. always been yeah. very like I'm self co I know it's a gross habit. So I've always been like get a get a not a clear bottle. <laughs> 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 like, oh yeah. Have a coffee can. Yeah. Or like just try not to I don't know. I, I like I'll never in a sm- if you go to a small town bar. They, when you come in, they will start putting napkins into cups for you. We've, done, like, that oh, We've wow. done that here. We've done that here. We'll take a like, little plastic. That's cups. like in yep. a spitter. Like you come in, and be like, "Bush light and a spitter." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like in Omaha, it's just like I can't be the guy that asked for a spitter. Like I'm not <laughs> gonna, chew, I'm not gonna chew in Omaha bars.
1: Do you want? I wonder if that is why like Bud Light and Miller Light bottles are brown, like just. So you like, can't tell that it's a spit? Yeah, so you can't tell it's a spitter. I mean, I because, mean, like, chewing's been around forever. Yeah. Like, maybe they're like, hey, yeah, we got to keep it brown. Like, Rolling Rock came out, and they're like, what the fuck are we doing with this green bottle?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, and Corona
0: is clear, so the, p- apparently they don't dip down to Mexico. Yeah,
3: exactly. I don't think they do. That's <laughs> why <laughs> I forgot we have one. I'm not from of Mexico, but, yeah, I've, <laughs> I'm a Mexican. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say they don't.
1: Will you tell us it. all things Mexico? regales. <laughs> uh, they're
3: they're uh, not this. Uh, they're usually shorter, 5'3", uh, 5'4". Five, five, Real Mexicans, I'm, I guess, uh, too Americanized for them. But, yeah, it's it was weird. Yeah. When I was down there, like, I'd walk, I'm like, Fuck. like, they're all, like, around here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like him. Like, when he's around us, I'm like, oh, shit. They're yeah. probably they're just, like, looking up at, looking up at me, probably. Like, what's up, it, bro? Yeah, <laughs> I almost
2: said so. You're a sturdy Mexican, and then I was like, Don't say that. And then I just said it.
1: I mean, I, I feel like you get sturdy as a pot is a compliment, and Mexican is a compliment, like they're yeah. both positive things. But when you but put them together,
0: not so much.
4: No, I, <laughs> I well,
1: no, no I, when I say no to that, I mean, like, no, I think they're both positive things. I just think that there are idiots out there that would like put a negative connotation because, like, they want to cancel you, so they would they would tell you that what you said was negative, even though you didn't... Like, I knew that what you said wasn't negative, and, like...
3: Like, someone would be like, did you call him Mexican? I'd be like, I am. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. that's, he's 100% right. <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> yeah. lying. <laughs> yeah. He's not wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're a sturdy German. Oh, okay. Okay. That is totally acceptable.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. Do, do you have to deal with a lot of that, because... And I know you've been talking about it for a while with with the whole cancel culture and and scrutiny and all this shit. Do you get a lot of that?
1: Yeah, I do. I um, really and, and like w- which is funny because like on stage, I I feel like I speak where through my heart, you know. And yeah. I'm like, and I'm also I'm like very sensitive to every group, and I feel like yeah. You generally speaking, or I, I generally speaking, I'm trying to do a show where everybody feels good and nobody feels hurt. And um, and I'm not doing that because of cancel culture like I was doing that beforehand. Um, but here's the weird thing about that is that um, and I think that this will kind of accurately break down that phenomenon. Like you have a lot of people who have had various levels of PTSD and trauma in their lives. And so um, if you have a bit where you're like, I love carrots, but their father beat them every morning with a carrot. Um, you could just have a bit about I love carrots and then they're going to be like why did you do a bit that's pro father abusing you know like like yeah. pro <laughs> yeah. getting beat yeah. with carrots and because there there's there's a thing that happens in our brains where we we hear we hear what people say and then we also internalize it based upon our memories and so um uh, so it's, it's almost impossible to not offend somebody in the crowd because they're, they're associating all of their experiences with your words. And so, um, I don't know, like, uh, you know, like that's like a, a really silly example of it, of like being beaten with carrots. But a good example. But it works. But a good example of it would be um, I was performing at a college in Iowa and um, I do a joke or I did a joke. I've now retired it that um, I say like I'm so sensitive like I or I'm such a sensitive guy. Like if I was choking one of you, you'd be like, oh, your hands are so soft <laughs> <laughs> like, death tickles. So it's a it's a self deprecating joke about myself um, where I'm I'm giving an example that I have soft hands. So I'm juxtaposing um a a potential strangulation with somebody like instead of feeling strangled they'd be like dude your hands are so soft you know (laughs) (laughs) so it's just self-deprecating so i get off stage at this college and there's there's a gal that she's obviously had a lot of trauma in her life and um and you know sometimes uh and we've seen this a lot or a lot of times people become bullies because they were bullied or they were traumatized so they traumatize other people this person I felt like was someone who had been traumatized and then she also came up and started bullying me and she oh, really yeah and she had a she had a spouse there that looked like the most abused spouse that I had ever seen and like she was so meek and like I like I don't want her to hurt me and like so this person was a, an abusive person that came up to me uh. and she she was like I don't she goes I didn't like your your bits about strangling women and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> you you missed
0: something on what I
1: said." There, yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't think you saw the same show as me, and <laughs> and, and she was like, "Are you negating my truth?" She's like, are you negating my truth? And she just starts yelling that like literally and like everyone was there just at my table buying t-shirts being like, that was a delightful show. (laughs) (laughs) We had fun. That felt good. And you didn't make anybody feel bad. And I was like, and I was like, Hey, I just, you know, I was like, you're obviously upset. I was like, I just want to, I want to understand where, what you're, I I just want to understand you. I was like, will you explain this? And she's like, well, if I have to explain it to you, then I'm not like, then you're not listening. And I was like, Okay, you're you're very upset. I was I was yeah. like, will you just tell me? I'm like, please tell me what you're um what you're talking about. And she screamed and made a scene and then never never really like explained it to me. So I get home to my hotel, I go to bed, I don't check Twitter. Um apparently this girl had a bunch of fake accounts on Twitter. Um, cause she's, she's kind of a troll, you know, um, and she, um, she had posted that, uh, this misogynistic comedian came to the college. He made fun of, uh, of domestic violence and strangling women. And, uh, and I was like, God, that is so not true. I don't find that funny. And I would never joke about that. Yeah. And then, um, finally I found out like through one of her comments that the joke was the, the one that I said about, like I, my hands are so soft. Like if I was strangling one of you, you'd be like, oh, your hands are so soft or whatever. And um, so, f- so first of all, there's no gender pronoun that I used. Right. There was no direction. It was a, it was a, a, didn't a hy- point to
0: anybody. It was hyperbole. It, w- it was,
1: if I was, if, if in a, a hypothetical situation, I was strangling somebody, um, you'd be like, oh, your hands are so soft. I had done that joke on television 3 times where network censors and lawyers had approved it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, shit, if it made it through them then yeah, it and, should be safe to use on the road.
1: Yeah, and um and so what I did and like this blew up to where like I was like I the, the stuff got posted the night before, I slept until 11 and by the time I woke up I was like being canceled. And um and so I reached out to some of my most famous friends that I was like, can you tweet at, at these feminist blogs? So uh, a lot of feminist blogs that have done a lot of good things for women, they picked it up and they were like, cause they believed her. They believed that oh, there was this comedian shit. and you know, believe all women um, believe. Can we believe 99.9%? Cause that girl was, she was disseminating information that was not correct. Yeah. And um, so I had them take my clip from last comic standing where I told the joke. I also clipped the audio from the show that night and I put it in a tweet and I, I was sending it to them going, Hey, this is the exact joke I said. And so I like, not only do I have the TV version of it, but I have it from last night. And I, so like, here's proof. I also record, uh, I keep my audio going on my iPhone during all of my meet and greets uh-huh. so I recorded that and I sent them
4: oh, I really? sent them
1: that to just show them hey I asked her what it was and I couldn't even get through and um and ultimately the the blogs apologized to me uh, publicly um, like they were like wow this is just not a case like this is <laughs> this is not the case that we thought it was and um and then she got kicked off Twitter and then all of her fake accounts did um, the dean of the school got involved and I had, to, I had to talk to the dean of the school. I laid out everything that happened to them because that is not only a nightmare for me, that's a, that's a nightmare for the school that they would invite someone there that would potentially say something like that, that she was accusing. So she, um, you know, I don't want to call her a liar, um, but she, w- the phenomenon that I think that happened is that she had bad experiences and then she heard words and attached a different meaning to them and her mind couldn't it, it just couldn't even rationalize that she heard something else because her trauma was so deep. Mm. So I in terms of cancel culture, I feel for somebody like that. I don't know what she went through to get to that point, but it you know, but it was it was a real thing that she attached something that was not true to and then she felt the need to you know, to champion that. She wanted to she she Felt like I was an evil person, and she wanted to take me down.
0: Well, and that even speaks to you even more, showing what kind of a nice guy and you know pleasing everybody is, because you said that you feel sorry for her, as opposed to resenting or lamenting her and being like fuck that bitch. Yeah, I would say I just, just wanted to. understand. I'm sorry for you.
1: Yeah, I wanted to understand. I just want yeah. to understand where she's coming from, and like, and yeah, you have great trauma, <clears throat> you know. But uh, a- another example of this that's less extreme was I, I was on stage at the Improv in Hollywood. And uh, I have that that closing bit where I was like, hey, I think we've said a lot of positive things about women. Yeah. I would really like to say some nice things about men. And I was like, there's a lot of strong men in this room. And this gal, um, like, you know, she, she literally had, you know, like male-induced trauma written all over her. <laughs> and just, it, like, have you ever had an audience member say something where, like, they heckle and it's like, it didn't even go through, it's not alcohol, it's not whatever, like, their, like their brain didn't go to their nervous system which went to their mouth it's literally their soul just started like, just, just like I'm gonna say this yeah you know yeah yeah and, yeah and I was like I think we can all agree that there's a lot of strong men in here and she goes, what do you mean strong men <laughs> 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 and, and I was like, okay uh, I was like, wow, okay I, I was like I I was like, I'm recognizing something right now. Yeah, that like I triggered I, something. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, first of all, let's acknowledge you've been through some shit, and like you've been through some male-induced trauma, and uh, but I was like, on the other hand, I need to say that masculinity is okay. It, it's it's like a total necessary force in the world, and you've probably been abused by a lot of false masculine men, like like a lot of total pussies, you know, that have that have treated you wrong and represented men poorly. And I was like, and you have a lot of trauma. And so I said, strong men. And you were like, what
3: do you mean strong men? (laughs) And I was
1: like, so I just want to acknowledge that, you know, like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry on behalf of men. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry that you went through that and what you're feeling is real and you're making an attachment. And like, I kind of explained that whole uh, theory of that you attach things to other people's words. Yep. I was like, however, I have a minute and a half left in my set and this is my closing bit. <laughs> 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 and I'm going to do it and um and please understand that I'm sensitive to you and uh I think you're going to think this is hilarious and uh perhaps if I could have gotten past that first sentence
4: <laughs> you would, <laughs> y- you would you would
1: have understood that there's going to be a deeper meaning to this yeah. and uh and then she was like she's like She's like, thank you, thank you
2: for. She she was like, she's like,
1: thanks for explaining it to me that way and and you know and empathizing and connecting with me. And after the show, I talked to her uh, at length. I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I was like, you you don't have to tell me what you've been through. But she's like, yeah, I've been through a lot of shit, and it just came out in that moment. And she's like, (laughs) she was like, I liked that we had a human connective moment at that moment instead of I think a lot of a lot of comedians would have been like shut up bitch yeah yeah (laughs) nobody asked you yeah which would have further added to her trauma and then uh I had the improv send me that clip um and I'm gonna actually put it on my Instagram because I think it's I don't know I think it's a good representation of of like how long ago was this this was like uh two weeks ago oh this is recent this is very recent oh damn yeah and uh but yeah I mean she could have had we not had that interaction, and had we not connected and and um, you know and corrected it and you know clarified, I guess she possibly could have been one of those people that came away from a show that was like, "Let's cancel Pete Lee." Yeah, and um, you know, I think I'm I'm sensitive. I think I speak through my work. Um, you know, I think that that's the right way to do comedy. Uh, you know, but. I don't know, you know, um, but like anybody can be canceled and you can be canceled based upon hearsay. And it's, it's, we we really, um, I'm repeating something that I heard on, on a different podcast, but like, we really are in like a headhunter culture right now where, um, you know, like in this like in the internet, by the way, there's like I was like, you're being attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm trying like there's a mosquito that's just like buzzing around. No, oh, no, I see like, it too. Um it's, it's uh, real. Yeah. I'm like uh but we really live in a headhunter culture which like like if you look at uh you know, like like sociologically, if you look at at like headhunter tribes, um like you, if you go and you you chop off the head and you bring back the head of someone from the tribe that you are feuding with, mm-hmm. you're a hero. Right. And nowadays, everything is so feudal and so tribal, and everybody's over here or they're over here. And if you cancel somebody in the other tribe, it's it's symbolically that you went and you got their head, and then everybody in your tribe goes, ah, and your status within your tribe is actually elevated. Right, right. And that is an evil fucking way to live. <laughs> that is a really evil way to live. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of bloggers out there that you'll notice that something terrible will happen or something will, something terrible will happen to someone and they will be profit. They're, they're literally profiteers. They're, they're like tragedy profiteers and they're, but they're bullying people for a good cause. And I just feel like, um, for all of the bad people that have been taken out by woke culture, I feel like it's also gener- it, It's a movement that is generated by terrible energy, and that's why it feels bad. You know, that's why cancel culture, you know, feels bad. And there are a lot of douchebags that are like, "Nah, cancel culture is ruining everything." And I'm like, well, "Oh yeah. you, you suck." And too. old guys, yeah. old yeah, guys, and old guys—they're all against the cancel culture. But like, I guess I'm trying to break it down in a, a more thoughtful way than that, like, I, like, I don't want, I'm not one of those guys that's like, I just can't say anything
0: anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, fuck it, I guess I'll just stop doing comedy and I'll just sit here and shut my mouth so I don't get canceled. Yeah. Like,
1: we can't even talk about how women have no worth, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not being one of those guys. How they I'm, should be at home. Yeah. Like, I'm not being one of those guys. I'm just trying to break it down about like, like if you're really like the next time you you're on the internet and you are going you're really going after somebody that you think needs to be cancelled, like just consider your own energy in that moment, like you are like you're sending a lot of hate and negativity oh yeah at a person and um and maybe they deserved it maybe they're maybe they're Bill Cosby, maybe they really deserve it, or maybe they're somebody who said something really stupid you know eight years ago on a podcast and um and but you're piling on because whatever usually what happens is the thing that that person did your trauma like you have trauma in a certain in that genre of trauma right and so you're you're attaching your trauma to this thing that has nothing to do with you and then you're going after them with this ferocity like like it's the person that actually wronged you and i don't think that's good i don't think that's good energy and it doesn't bring us together and like Literally, the Latin root of comedy is "comos" and "logos." That's what the what the root word in Latin means, and it literally means bringing people together. So, comedy is bringing people together, and tragedy is bringing people apart or breaking people apart. And like,
0: <clears throat> wow, so I, insightful. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, I, well, i i've i've really i've studied comedy, and and like. You know, So I believe that comedy is supposed to bring people together. And even if you're joking about a subject that's taboo or whatever, the whole reason why we're joking about it is so we can take this thing that's tragic and we can glue it back together by laughing about it. Like, if you don't laugh,
0: you cry. Much like Louis C.K.'s entire set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of tragic stuff talked about there and everybody's laughing because that's what you have to do.
1: That's what you have to do. If you don't laugh, you cry. And, um, you know, and it's... It's our job as comedians. Like, people go, well, that subject right there, you can't make fun of it. And it's like, no, it's our job to take something unhappy and make fun out of it. Yeah. Like, that's our that's our fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's our job. And if you don't understand that, you don't get to come to our fun party. Like, like, that's what comedy used to be. It used to be that, like, you had a room full of people that came here that knew, th- they knew that this was the place where we glued things back together. Like, right. Like, and they understood that it, like some weird shit were, was going to be said, and then like if you were in the crowd, it used to be that if if you didn't understand that base level of of understanding of what comedy was, it was like you were the outsider and you're kind of shunned. Like yeah, like your comedy is a biker bar, yeah. like like w- comedy comedy clubs are a biker bar, and and what's been happening is the uh, you know, basically like the woke bookstore next door is like, I don't like what's happening in the biker bar. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, well, well, you guys have your own building and we have our building and you don't get to fucking say what we say in our building.
0: You stay in your building and we'll stay in ours if you don't like it.
1: Yeah. And there, there's a purpose in society for our building and because it it helps people who process things through humor that way. And if you, if you don't laugh and you can't laugh, you don't get to come to our biker bar. Like, like. could you imagine us going to a fucking biker bar right now <laughs> and being like, um, guys, I need you to, I need you to behave differently. They would be like, you're getting your ass kicked right now. And that's, that's comedy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <clears throat> so that's my sermon. <laughs> that's my sermon. That,
0: that That's Pete Lee and cancel culture. Yeah.
1: So don't. If you're ca- if you're if you're canceling somebody, really really examine, and you're piling on, really examine if they deserve to be canceled. Really examine your own feelings. Really examine the, your own energy that you're putting out there. And if it's Harvey Weinstein. God bless. (laughs) You know, God bless. Have fun. Well,
0: Colleen always says, and and we'll still say that, you know, comedy club is the last bastion of free speech. It is. It should be the, you know, it's the the last place where you can get up on stage, say whatever you want, talk about whatever you want, and people shouldn't be trying to cancel you for it because that's what you're supposed to be doing.
1: That's what you're supposed to be doing. If you
0: don't like it, no one's forcing you here.
1: Yeah. There's also the good old fashioned art of talking shit. Yeah like yeah, shit talkers you just you're just talking shit and um and you, you, like a comedian should also be able to explore and um the people at the bookstore next door don't get to be your editor nobody gets to be your editor like like you and I are working on a show tonight and I don't get to tell him what he says on stage. Like, right. Like I, um, there are there are headliners that try to tell their openers what to say, and I think that's fucking evil too. Um, but well, but but even
0: though, like, you wouldn't want him getting up there and dropping a bunch of swear words or the n bomb or anything like that in front of you. So dead baby you kind of, yeah, a bunch of dead baby <laughs> jokes. Tyler's favorite. Yeah. Um, you Honestly,
1: know. like I would say, n bombs. No, no way. Um. But if he wants to do dead baby jokes, if those crush. <laughs> do them in front of me. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't like, I literally don't, I don't limit, I don't want to limit anybody. Like I, I, I'm like, go do your thing. And if I can't follow it, then I shouldn't be on stage. You know, like, like we talked about it last night. There are times at the comedy cellar where I've, I've had to go up after like Chris Rock, Tracy Morgan, Louis CK, and then me, you know, it, it is and like, like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and then, it's it's just it. So you got to be able to follow anything. So if I can't follow if I can't follow a well crafted dead baby joke, <laughs> you know, which, which talk about making the saddest thing in the world, you know, like making fun out of it. Like yeah. I think that's the saddest thing. And if if you can make the saddest thing in the world funny, then. Like I said, God bless. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're a really funny comedian. And do it, and and do that.
2: All right, Ty, he's got the green light <laughs> for tonight. <laughs> Let's start prepping. Well, like I'm somebody that's super sensitive to. Mm-hmm. Like I want to. I never want to say wrong. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm always like, you tell me what's right. Like I'm that type person. So I, on stage, I'm super cautious all the time. Yeah. So then when I started working here as a door guy (laughs) we corrupted him (laughs) i (laughs) just was like oh my god we can say so much bad shit back (laughs) (laughs) that's when i'm just like yes say whatever i want i mean i do that's when i (laughs) wikipedia yeah that's when when i found out then that baby jokes are actually feminist they are because they give a woman her life back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding.
4: <laughs> I'm <like laughs> well, Davis would lo- will love this
2: yeah. so much.
1: <laughs> I only do male dead baby jokes. <laughs> <laughs> one, one less person who can grow up being a man. Um, <laughs> I no, I mean, well, the uh, you know you know the documentary, the aristocrats, like that old aristocrats joke where comedians. It's like a game that we've been playing with each other yeah. forever where we just try to say the worst shit to each other. Like the worst stuff in the world where if an outsider heard us talking privately at the comics table, like we would be canceled because, of course, you shouldn't joke about that. But, like, guess what? Um, comedy's a little childish. Child, children like to do things that are naughty. And so, saying the worst thing, even if you don't believe it, is really fucking fun. And, um, it's, it's so much fun. And that's why when comedians get together, we do that. And also, uh, sidebar, if you've ever hung out with cops or firemen or paramedics or doctors, Dark. they also love to go to the darkest, darkest, oh, yeah. darkest places. All the
0: shit they see.
1: Yeah. And like, I think what, what is happening in our society right now is we're seeing what happens when people are too safe. Like, they, we literally don't have to worry about our country being bombed or, like, I mean, I guess we have to worry about a global pandemic. So we're not totally but people, safe. People right think now. that's
4: fake, anyways.
0: Yeah,
1: they think that's fake. But, like, we're so fucking safe that we're creating imaginary things that are danger. And it's not, it's not danger. Yeah. Like, it, it just isn't. And that's why I think a lot, like, I don't know. I, I was, um, like, I obviously am very pro-women, very pro-women's movement. Uh, I feel like I do things to empower other women in entertainment. Um, like, I help out women. Um, I, I take action. Um, like, and I don't just tweet. Like, I was on stage in, like, one of the most hipster rooms in L.A., and there was this, this comic that came up, and he was like, you know, well, as a male feminist, and he's in a room full of men, <laughs> who probably have male feminist beliefs. And he was like, as a male feminist, he's like, I just find some of my friends to be misogynistic. And you could hear the women and men in this room going, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: like, like, this fucking
1: asshole. <laughs> like, come on, you asshole. Like, you're you're pandering. And yeah. and you just, like, I don't know. like, I, And I have a lot of pro-women jokes in my set where I try to, like, I don't know, I, I have a belief that, like, and I mean, and I'm, this, this sounds bad when I say it, but a lot of women have said it to me. They're like, sometimes men don't listen to stuff about women unless a man is saying it, you know, like a lot. So I try, I try to have a positive message about, about women and, and, you know, uh, and their value in my set because I want men to hear it. And, um, you know, and so like, I am doing that thing, but I'm not being a douchey virtue signaler that that's like, so, um i'm i'm the feminist male prince that's here to save you (laughs) and every woman in the crowd is looking at that guy like you couldn't fucking save shit you asshole (laughs) you suck (laughs) but yeah anyway i I love i love women so
0: (laughs) so there's two things that i want to ask you i want to talk about uh the first one that i would like to know and this is to help uh, all of the local comics that are listening and stuff like that, because when you started here, I mean, mm-hmm. we heard about you getting started as me- with Medicine Hat and opening like that, yeah. But I remember when we first started here, you came in as a feature act, yeah. And then after, then eventually, you started busting your ass, doing stuff, getting TV, doing all stuff, and then you became a headliner. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, did I literally just, you know, you know, spill the g- guts on how you did it? Is it really just you worked out there, busted your ass, and finally? You know, made that next step because everybody always wants to make that next step, but not everybody wants to put in that work to get to those steps to get to that. How did you how did you make that step from feature to headliner?
1: Yeah, um, I well, it's interesting. It's it's really interesting because, you know the the step from feature a headliner really means hey i can sell some tickets and right um it, there's two ways that you become a club headliner one you're you're willing to basically be like an off week headliner so there's headliners that come through here that sell a shit ton of tickets yep and then there's the headliners that like the clubs they can't have um i'm trying to think of like frank caliando is coming and kevin yep. Nealon's coming next week those guys sell a shit ton of tickets and it's like a no-brainer to have them and it's a great financial situation for the club and then the club also has weeks where they can't have a Kevin Nealon every single week, so they need to have a Pete Lee there who can sell a decent amount of tickets. He makes a good profit for the club, sells a lot of drinks because my people that come out are alcoholics. <laughs> <functioning>. <laughs> <laughs> and we know, yeah, and yeah, and so uh, so it's a good financial arrangement, but it's not. It's definitely not a Kevin Nealon week, right? And um, so I. Uh, yeah, I basically like, I, I, I remember I came to Omaha and, um, Omaha actually has a lot, a, a lot of connections in my career. Um, the way that I became a headliner is I got my first TV credit. And, um, I, I remember I was at the Todd and Tyler golf tournament Okay. And just shit faced off, like barely like, you like, you know, when you're, you're swinging your golf club or like, but you're like, you're like setting it up. And you're, like, addressing the ball. <laughs> but I was, like, I needed the club to lean and stand up. And then I was just praying that I could do the swing and hit the ball and then, like, stay standing up. And I get a call. It was it was back in 2005, and it was on my flip phone, you know, so I flipped yeah. it open. I, like a cool guy. Yeah, I saw that the number was a 212 number, and I, I was, like, hello. <laughs> and... Um, Uh, And the woman on the other line, she was like, hi, this is Joanne Grigioni from Comedy Central. She now is one of the executives at Netflix. And she was like, hey, Pete. Um, She's like, you know, we got your tape and we want to invite you on premium blend. And I was like, Joanne... I'm so fucking wasted right now. (laughs) I was like, I'm on a golf course, and this is excellent news. And I had gone out and gotten drunk with Joanne before, and, like, her and I, it's kind of one of our things that we do together. (laughs) We we get get a little drunk together. And um, so she was like, this is hilarious. You're on speakerphone, by the way. I have my colleagues with me, and this is really funny. And I was actually golfing with Todd and Tyler. uh, Like, we were, um, you you know, on one of those things, like, like we were in like one of those foursomes, and they were, la- I was like, I'm going to be on comedy central. And they're like, maybe, <laughs> After that phone call, maybe we'll, be. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And uh so, yeah, then uh, it was like two months later. I went and I shot that. And then, uh, you know, back in the day, it was like, if you got on premium blend, then you could headline. It, right. was, it was like a, a weird thing. Like you got your big comedy. You got, finally had a comedy central credit. So then Colleen was like, okay, you can, you know, you can headline. And I'd been tearing it up here as a feature. and, Oh yeah, um, you know, like w- I was like, like, you know, we talked last night and like when you and I talk, we like, we basically kind of like, I don't know, like, uh, like, I don't want to call it like a mentor situation, but like, we think we share ideas with each other. You may not, but Tyler <laughs> <Yeah>. does. <laughs> so, like, we share ideas with each other, but like, I, like I'm like you, Tyler, where like, I have a lot of anxiety. I'm on Zoloft for it. Um, you know. And But there's one thing that I I remembered last night after we talked that I wanted to say to you is uh, I made this decision at some point where, like, every time that I started to spiral and go into, like, a a comedy-worried rabbit hole, um, I would go – I would try to stop that behavior and I would go think about jokes. Like, um, you know, like I – nowadays we have our notebook and our phones, Right and um and i still do this like it's almost like i i've tr- pavlovian trained myself to like when i start worrying about my future or comedy or like what you know uh, oh my god uh you know jake smith just got this thing and i fucking hate him for it you know? <laughs> like, where you're looking sideways in comedy or or where you're just going what is my career what is my future is, am i going to fail as soon as i started going down that rabbit hole i would go nope pick up your notebook and start thinking of ideas so i trained myself to like snap out of that almost like classic cognitive behavioral yeah. replacement therapy and i totally suggest that like to any comic listening to you guys like um like i uh, louis ck a long time ago when i used to be his opener like years and years and years ago he told me that i need to go study at the ucb um cuz he he's like you need to learn stand up joke structure you also need to learn sketch you should learn all of it you should just learn about um you know joke structure and they had this big sign over the door that said, "Don't be bitter, be better," and huh. and I believe in that, and um, and so this is one of my ways that I don't be bitter. i be better. And it's also, it's helped me. It's helped my self-esteem. It's helped all that stuff because like, we all know that the the best drug for a comic is a new joke. Right. You know, like a new joke that crushes where you're like, I'm going to go on stage. And I'm going to tell this new joke. Like you're walking around all day.
4: Like with, with like, <laughs> like just with that
1: like just got energy. L- yeah. Just got late energy because yeah, yeah. you, you wrote this yeah. joke. But so that's, that's I think my ultimate advice for the weekend tactically, like not just like a general um you know advice is like every time every time you start doing this, pick up your phone and just doodle like or just be like, all right, maybe this is it, and maybe you'll think of something maybe you won't, but like it'll be it, you won't go here,
0: takes <laughs> you out of that yeah. rabbit hole and focuses your your thoughts to yeah. some place more positive,
1: yeah, so that's that's my mentorship that's <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my <laughs> but yeah, that. Uh, I don't even know what we were talking about before I don't that, either but yeah, but, uh, but Omaha big yeah. break. oh how oh, I got yeah to, how, how I you got, got to, into feast headlining how I got into headlining and um there were still a lot of times where I'd be like like you don't you don't just like you're not
0: just like I'm a headliner now right
1: like you're still featuring you're well,
0: still yeah. I'm sure you did the split splits where sometimes you'd come yep. in and you'd feature mm-hmm. you'd headline on the Wednesday or the Thursday when the headliner isn't there and then on Thursday Friday or Friday Saturday you'd actually I'd feature, feature. And, yeah
1: and that was great. Cause I would get, I would get do like, I'd have one night where my people would come buy tickets and it would show the club that I could sell tickets. And then I would get to do these crazy sold out shows with these huge named famous people. Yeah. And then back when I was like, young and single, I would get to like get all the throwaway girls. <laughs> 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 Fuck yeah. And, and like go to, the, go to the bar and have exchange that energy, you know, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so you know I just got late energy. Yeah. It was amazing. It was so much fun. And uh yeah, it was uh but like, you know, it was it was a slow titration and then uh I you know I got a few more TV credits and then like I got on last comic standing when it really counted, you know, when they like actually right. had a lot of views. Um, on season six and then that, that I started selling tickets and then I got a comedy central special Uh, again, you know, thanks join Grigioni for that. And, um, that, that was a really weird time because, um, you know, nowadays your, your whole score in entertainment revolves around how many Instagram followers you have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a lot of followers on other apps, but my Instagram followers are it's medium, you know? Right. And, um, but, Back in the day, you could do a big special and then start to sell places out and people went, people in the industry went, Pete's blowing up, you know, because you didn't have this hard score that people could see. Right. And I remember like, I just remember doing that special and then all of a sudden selling out this club, selling out, like I was selling out theaters on college campuses. I was doing like all this big shit. And fame is like an there's an ebb and flow to it. It's like the wave that I wanted tattooed on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> it just it comes and it goes and you go through, you know, peaks and valleys. And recently I just did the showtime special, Tall, Dark yeah, and Pleasant. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, you know, honestly, last night was one of the first nights that I've had in a while that wasn't like ape shit sold out. And I think there's two factors. Uh, one, the COVID Delta variant is scaring the shit out of people, and yep. number two, uh, Garth Brooks is in town. Yep, and I love you, but fuck you, Garth. You <laughs> really, you really ate into our numbers this no, week.
0: Uh, Let's add number three that it's still summer and schools just getting back to started. Yes, back, so people aren't really coming out yet. To yeah, the, to go out.
1: Yeah, this was. I mean, I would say that this is a little bit of a, an off week, and yeah, um, and. Colleen knows that I'm you know I've developed a new hour since my special and she's like I want you to come through you can bring the new hour through and then she also knows that I, like she could probably have me back in December or you know January and it's going to be a newer show for people and yep. um, you know so she can have me back this week and you know we can just have a good time together
2: but uh, you know. Garth Brooks, fuck you, I love you. <laughs> Garth Brooks is the reason my dad made me bring a cowboy hat to the club for him last night. Oh, I love that. So he had one to wear? Yeah, he's like, oh, I want to, he wants to run a bit on his friends. He's going, with, I wanted to wear one of your Western shirts and tuck it in. <laughs> he's totally not that at all. He's a town guy, coach. Like, I want to be a cowboy tomorrow. Yeah. I would say that your dad is going
1: to be standing outside the fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, but it, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing that, you know, so I'm talking about being a headliner and you know, now I'm at the point where there's more pressure to sell tickets and more pressure to like really get it out there. But like, you know, um, it's very rare that you're you're somebody in entertainment that's just like for the rest of my life I can sell tickets like yeah even Jerry Seinfeld you know he has Seinfeld and like think about how many city buses have Seinfeld on CW nine in his face on it and um, there's a story that he started doing comedians in cars getting coffee because he started to see a few empty seats in it and he's like well shit so you know i thought i could sell tickets forever because of seinfeld yeah but apparently i need to have a new thing where people see it and then they'll buy tickets and so he um he like kind of reluctantly did comedians and cars getting coffee and then Hmm. it turned out to be a really fun thing and but he did it on his terms and he was like i'm not going to censor myself i'm not going to censor my guests i'm going to do i'm going to own everything i'm going to control it and if anybody tells me that i I can't say something or do something. I'm going to tell him to fuck off because I own the whole thing. Yeah. And then when he sold it to Netflix, they were like, hey, we got to put some restrictions on this. And he was like, "Uh, the rules are fuck off. And and, and then he started selling tickets again. And I have friends that open for him and they're like, it's absolutely bananas how great these shows are because of comedians and cars getting coffee. Plus, you know, all the Seinfeld years. Nice. But sidebar to that, speaking of Seinfeld, I did warm up. um, So like, you know, we're talking about uh, we're talking about being a headliner and like, so I headline and then like, I'll go and do hosting stuff at clubs in Los Angeles. Um, I, this last year, I just wanted to get used to the Tempe improv before I, uh, before I did my special there. So I went and I featured for my friend Alonzo Bowden, you know? So like, yeah, like I'm still doing all the different things. And then one of the other things that I've started to do is uh, I have friends that are like, "Hey, do you just want to do warm up for my TV thing?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'll fucking do that. Yeah. that sounds scary. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go do warm up for do your it. thing." And um, so I, I warmed up for the MTV Awards, which my friend Nikki Glaser hosted. Nice. I, um, it was a really, it was crazy just to be in this room full of celebrities. Oh, sure. Like, at one point, Snooki, she was like, "Yes," and I was like, <laughs> "Hey, hey, Snooks, you know, like, love you, girl." Uh, um, and, um, but I did the roast of Alec Baldwin and, uh, I, I did the warm up for that. And that was another job that, that you know, Nikki Glazer got for me. Um, you know, big thanks to Nikki for everything she's done for me. But, um, uh, I was, I went out and, um, and I was like, all right, this is, it's like a total Hollywood crowd. People are in either black tie or tuxedos and I got to basically take a room that, has done a bunch of cocaine and they're all mingling and talking (laughs) (laughs) and I have eight minutes to get them from there to in their seats to focused and laughing so that because they're like you have eight minutes dude and you have no more than that and I get out there and uh and I have no idea how, but my opening line crushed and people <laughs> just sat down. <laughs> and
4: like, and, oh.
1: Yeah, oh. And I'm, I'm out there, and, like, within two minutes, I'm just re- really leveling the room. And I look down, and it's all tuxedos and black ties. And then Larry David is sitting right in front of me. Just laughing his ass off in a maroon sweater.
4: (laughs) Everybody wore tuxedos, and Larry David was like, I don't like that. I'm not doing that. But
1: the fact that I made Larry David laugh, um, and then, uh, yeah, Larry David was right in front of me, and he's sitting next to David Spade, who was laughing, and I was like, that is so cool.
0: Fuck, yeah. And,
1: uh, like, it was just, it was like a -a make-a-wish to to make those two people
0: laugh. And see it right there. I mean, that instant, you know gratification of, I made these guys laugh. I made these guys so laugh. How did how did you hold it together and keep going through your set then? Because uh, I mean, that would have been tough if you realized that, and you're like, oh,
1: fuck, mind blown. Mind blown. So there's this drug called propranolol that I take before <laughs> <laughs> big things. Um, and uh, so propranolol is a beta blocker, which I don't recommend people take it every day. Uh, there are people that can't take it every day, but it's, uh, it's essentially a blood pressure medication yeah. that they found out uh, that if you take it in a very small dose it just kills all of your anxiety ah. so it effect, it does affect your blood pressure a little bit um, but it's um, and it's for healthy people to take you know not if you have i don't recommend it if you have any heart issues or blood pressure he's issues. not a doctor i'm don't, not a doctor don't start taking the medication yeah But before I do like a tonight show or I tape my special or whatever, I just don't want my own anxiety to get in my own way. And I want to be the fullest version of myself that I can be. And it doesn't, it's not like Xanax or Klonopin where it makes you high or it gives you like an elevated sense of self or anything like that. You just don't feel the anxiety that would be crippling. You feel like you're normal you in that situation. Gotcha. So it was really funny to me, like me on propranolol, I was like, well, I'll be damned! I'm making Larry David laugh. <laughs> this is fun. Like, and I was like looking at him. Like, instead of looking at him like that's Larry David, I was looking at him like, "Hey, Larry. Hey, you what's know? up, guy? <laughs> Hi, Larry. How are you? It's Pete. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So that that's and that's my story. <laughs> so, uh, so doing these other gigs and and doing the stuff. So is that, so how did you get, uh, Billy wanted us to ask and Andre's, yeah. yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I,
3: so during the pandemic, we're shut down and stuff and non Netflix and on just different things. Oh. And I came across, I'm on Amazon prime. I came across a documentary with, uh, I needed to kill you, yeah. Segura and Chad was I guy flown over to Asia to do a little tour. Yeah. I just wanted to know about that. Like, how was that? Like, it had to be amazing. How'd you get uh, that? And
1: yeah. So Louis Lee, who owns Acme comedy club where I started, um, uh, yeah, I have like basically two kind of parents or godparents in comedy. It's Louis Lee at Acme and then Colleen, Colleen. here. Yeah. And uh And they're two people that, you know, if you know a successful comedian, they have actually helped shape their careers. And, you know, they're, they're, there's two really inf- – they're like the Wizard of Oz of comedy. Like <laughs> they live in Minneapolis and, and Omaha, Nebraska, and they have had a, a, a role in shaping all of these great comedians' lives. But uh, Louis Lee is originally from Hong Kong. And, um, and he was like, you know, I really would love to take uh, you and Chad and Tom Segura, um, what you would consider to be kind of traditionally Western comedians, you know, like right. uh, that's I, – I don't know if that, if I should say it, but, like, just see if a couple of white guys could come to Asia with their sensibility and be thrown in and we'll be the minority and we need to adapt to this thing and, and can a bunch of Midwestern dudes – Come over there and attack and adapt like adapt to it, and, and in this in this growing comedy scene because the comedy scene in Asia has gone. I mean, they're in a comedy boom. It's it's cra- really it's crazy huh. over there. I had no idea. And it's I mean, it's such a great scene, but at the time it was like just starting out. It was like just starting to be great. Mm-hmm. So Lewis, um, Lewis, kind of did it to. I don't know, maybe fuck with us a little bit. <laughs> like, like see if you can do it. Sink or swim. Yeah. You know? Like sink or swim. There's going to be a language barrier, you know. For yeah, I was going to ask about of that. Us. There's going to be cultural barriers. Um, like he wanted to make a documentary about it because he kind of wanted to see us struggle. Yeah. And, um, you know, and go to places where we don't speak the language and have to order lunch and, um you know in order hey i'd like some i'd like some chicken and they serve you chicken with the head on the fucking plate (laughs) (laughs) And, and we wanted to see how we would react to that and how we would embrace you know like how the culture would embrace us how we would embrace the culture and i you know obviously like my last name's lee i have a lot of asian fans because people idealize that i'm like eight, an eighth or something like that. Yeah. So I've always felt close to the Asian community, but actually getting to go there um, to my motherland. And <laughs> back home. To back home. Uh, to perform, it really felt, I don't know, like I felt like a, a, a an insane connection. And um, I felt like I, I had an easier time on stage because I had been living in New York for years. And New York really is like a, you know, they call it the melting pot, but it's like, you know, when you go on at the Comedy Cellar, you are performing for people from all around the world that maybe English is their second language. Maybe there's bros from New Jersey there, too. It's a it's a total mixed bag. Yeah. And um, and I remember t- Tom and Chad and I were talking about this, that I was like, yeah, I think I they're, they're like, we think you have a leg up because you perform you perform in a town that's a lot like Hong Kong all the time. And I remember getting on stage in Hong Kong and I felt like it was no different from performing in New York. Really? And Tom and Chad were kind of like, whoa, this this feels different. The timing is a little different. And then so they were like, oh, so you're going to close. You're going to close the whole tour which is shitty because Chad Daniels and Tom Segura are two of the best comedians on the planet. Yeah. They're killer, killer on their own, killer on their own. And then I got to follow them in Hong Kong, Singapore and Macau. And, uh, (laughs) it was not cool. And on, on the last leg of the tour, uh, we wound up, uh, we were performing in this casino at the MGM casino in Macau and Tom Segura, like we needed every joke. Like we needed every (laughs) single joke. Like, like, you know, you know, when you go up and you're like, imagine somebody took your opener away from you and your closer, you'd be like, <laughs> I'm in a bomb because I can't, I can't get these tough crowds without those two things. And Tom just goes up and does Chad and I's like opening sequence of jokes. And oh. then he does our closing <laughs> joke. Oh, and so he fucks us. <laughs> <laughs> he fucks us so hard. And I'm sitting in the back of the room going, this motherfucker. <laughs> like, Jesus, ah, this asshole. And then, you know, uh, I, I think I had to go up next. Yeah, I had to go up after, oh. right after him. And I'm just dead in the water. And I was like, so uh, he just did my opening joke. <laughs> and the crowd, lo- luckily, they laughed at that. And I was like, so you guys want to hear it again? And then they laughed. <laughs> and, you know, but I was like, this guy. Oh, so you did it again then? I think I did it again. <laughs> and, uh, well,
3: I, I remember when I was watching him, he did that, I'm like, I started laughing because Chad James was like laughing about it and you, he's saying that you get fucking pissed. <laughs> oh, I, was, I was pissed, yeah. I was, <laughs> there,
1: there also was another thing that happened, and I'm not going to say this person's name because um, he's uh, very scary and internationally. Uh, so there, there was a, um, let's come up with a name for him. Um, Smitty? uh sh- yeah. <laughs> let, 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 let's call let's call this guy schmitty um because it it won't give any indication to this guy's name so uh before the show starts um there's a whole like uh, imagine we're sitting in the showroom right now imagine mm. this whole section the whole place is full except for this section mm-hmm. it's totally empty weird and um and then finally uh while while tom segura is on stage um just like a bunch uh, like like a group of like like rich looking people with a bunch of beautiful women came in uh-huh. and i was like oh okay so after they, the show had started after the show had started and yeah, i was yeah. like oh so they finally sat that section then you see you see this uh this um so they had these like thai fighter bodyguards there that were like our bodyguards uh-huh. and you see the thai bodyguards come up to them and they're like hey um uh-huh. here and you gotta fucking go and literally these rich people with like just a harem of women they were like oh schmitty's here no nope, we're going we don't need to see the show we're not enjoying ourselves we're wow. not, we're not millionaires we don't need this whatever so then uh schmitty comes in with the most beautiful women that i've ever seen and it's just him and t- it, it like like Hugh Hefner if he was one of the most notorious international gangsters yeah and uh so i'm on stage i've just had my opening bit and my closing bit taken away. from. <laughs> oh, this was that show. <laughs> it was that show oh, shit. And the cameras are on and they're rolling. And then Schmitty comes up and well, they, they tell us beforehand. They're like, if, if, if a guy comes in wearing an all white suit, do not fuck with him. <laughs> <laughs> Do not interact with him because we had a comedian here a few months ago that he put in the hospital and literally he just got better enough where he could be flown back to America.
4: Wow. <laughs> so shit.
1: I was fuck. like so I was like okay. So um so and they're like and he's going to be a handful, right? And so I'm on stage and I'm I'm finally killing and then um uh, this guy just comes up to the stage and he starts putting money on the stage. <laughs> like he just starts like <laughs> at a strip club. <laughs> yeah. Like he's, he's fucking with me cause he wants to see if I'll back talk with him. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, thank you, sir. I was like, I respect you. And um, <laughs> I was like, thank you, Schmitty. And I, I respect you and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then he starts talking shit to me and I was like, I'm like, hey, man, just to let you know, you can talk all the shit that you want to me, and I'm only going to be polite to you uh, because I know who you are, and I'm afraid of you, sir. (laughs) Did you say that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something you'd say. So I I said that to him, and by the way, when I'm saying this, normally uh, if I said those words to somebody, everyone in the room knew that, so instead of that getting a laugh – uh it was just dead silent oh shit in those moments and um and so the silence was what bothered me and the fact that this guy was like just a huge bully started to bother me and i have trouble being on stage and not being the one like it's my show at that point yeah
0: the attention should be on you
1: yeah and like and i was starting to get pissed at this guy and he's pushing my buttons and then i said to him at one point I was like, no, man, I love you. I was like, you're super cool, and I was like, I remember when I started to be able to grow a mustache.
4: <laughs> and, um, and
1: this guy's probably like forty years old. And um, uh, the, the the character that Ken Jong played in The Hangover is loosely based upon this guy. Okay, like he's such a notorious international gangster, and um, he's you know. And I was like. And I then I made a couple jokes. I was like, I was like, cool white suit. I was like, looks like you just started your period. And I was like, you're obviously very emotional. And da 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 da. And he was flipping out. He's like, huh. he's up at the t- at the front of the stage, and he's like screaming at me. Oh shit! And I was like, oh, you can't handle it. I was like, you're a big tough guy, but you can't <laughs> handle a few jokes from a comedian. And huh. I'm just like, at this point, I'm like, well, I'm dead, so I might as well get my my. Words <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, we're in. Let's do it. Also, the other thing that people need to know about me is I'm a black belt in Taekwondo and I kickboxed for years and I felt pretty confident I could fucking kill this guy. Like and, and I was also at the point where I was like, I think I'm going to kill this guy <laughs> because I take been, over a spot in, the, yeah, in because, the mafia, because I've been told the backstory behind this guy. And if I'm backed into a corner uh, and this guy is going to hurt me anyway, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. Yeah, like it is where I was at. And um, and I was so I'm in this very serious situation in the MGM Grand Casino, and I look to the left and I look to the right, and the fucking Thai bodyguards are gone. <laughs> 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 they are gone. So um, finally, I hand over the I, I hand over the mic to um, uh, I, I bring up Chad Daniels, and then I get off stage, and Chad Daniels is on stage, and then this uh, Schmitty he comes over to me in his white suit and he's standing maybe chest high to me. And I I believe he's probably pretty well trained in martial arts as well. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, how can I kill this guy very fast? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm literally, I'm in a position where I'm like, I'm going to kill someone. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm going to kill him quickly. And uh, and I know that this sounds very out of character for me, but I'm in, I'm in a life or death situation at yeah. this point. And he comes over to me and he's like, He's like, I want you to come with me and my friends right now. (laughs) And I go, I'm not going anywhere with you. Yeah. I was like, are you going to pick me up? Are you going to physically pick me up? I was like, are your friends going to pick me up? Because your friends are all ladies, okay? And, he, <laughs> and I was like, all, everyone here weighs way less than me. So I was like, are you all going to pick me up in a group? Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> While Chad's on stage. While Chad's on stage. And, um, and Chad is ignoring this to the best of his ability. Yeah, sure. we're, we're in the back corner of the room. And he goes, he goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, he's like, I could hurt you very badly. And I go, Touche. I was like, touche. And he's like, are you threading me? And I was like, dude, you have no idea. I was like, you have no idea. And, uh, and he hands me a champagne glass. And I'm literally in my head going like, I'm just going to go break stab. <laughs> like, <laughs> You've got to move down. I'm literally thinking about how I'm going to fucking stab this guy in his jugular. And I was like, and so, and he goes, he goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, have a glass of champagne with me. He goes, and everything will be fine. And I, and at the time I was sober for four years. I I had four sober years of my life Uh and um, I didn't drink for a reason that wasn't, it wasn't like really being an alcoholic, but I just made a promise to myself that I was going to be sober and I go, well, sir, I don't drink. I go, and I'm not, I'm not breaking my sobriety for you. And, uh, and he's like, you're going to have a fucking drink or you're coming with me. And I was like, I'm not doing your drink. I was like, so let me tell you this. I am not going to take a drink. And if you try to remove me from this room, you're going to die. And I was like, and I'm fucking serious as a heartbeat. Wow. Like like serious as a heart attack. Holy fuck. And I'm I'm like, you're going to die. And so this other gentleman comes over and he grabs this other guy and he's a big Australian guy. Mm -hmm. And he just comes over and he's like, come on, come on, you little fucker. To Schmitty. (laughs) To Schmitty. And uh, I won't also say this guy's name. Um, but this guy comes over and I mean, like, this is one of the most serious moments that I've ever been in, in my life. And, uh, and I was scared to fucking death. And, um, so this, this guy comes over and he takes this guy away and the staff from the hotel, they go. Hey, uh, you need to leave right now. <laughs> and I go I go what do you mean I need to leave right now? They're like you mean I need to go up to my hotel and like, you know, p- like just hang out and they're like no, you need to leave the country right now. Like you need to get out of Macau right now and you need to get to Hong Kong and you need to get home and you need to leave because that's the only way that you're going to live. And I was like, uh, well can I go get my computer? They're like you don't need your computer. <laughs> they're like you don't need your life and we need to get you out of here right now. So they're they're literally like we're walking out the, the side door, and then the big Australian guy comes up to me and he grabs me by the shoulder, and I was like, "Oh fuck, fuck, here we go," and I was like, "Oh shit, this is this is what it is," and he goes, he goes, "Hey mate," he's like, "My name is," uh, we'll Davis, we we'll call him Davis, yeah, Davis, yeah, hey, mate, Davis. My name is Davis, <laughs> and he goes, "Believe it or not, there are some people in the world that are scarier than Schmidty." And and he goes he goes and I'm one of them. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: and I was like, oh hey man, and uh, and he's like, give me a hug, and I give him a hug, and uh, and he goes, he goes, tell you what, mate, he goes, I was over here in the whole thing. He goes, love that you told him to fuck off. <laughs> he's like he's like that. He he goes that mate needed to fuck off a long time ago. <laughs> and and he goes, love that you said you're gonna kill him. He goes, I kind of believed you. <laughs> and I was like, I was gonna kill him. I was like i was literally gonna kill him <laughs> and uh and he's and then he goes um uh he he goes he goes so here here's the thing uh he goes he goes i've been sober for like 16 years or i'm i'm not doing a good accent right now yeah. and he goes he goes And i really respected that he's like he goes you had a choice between dying and dying because maybe if you took a drink you'd go down a bad road and you'd die and he's like so i respected that and so he's like i saved your life you're good he's like you'll never have a problem with schmitty in your life and i was like wow, this is, this is crazy. And he goes, yeah. all I ask is you come and you have dinner with me and my wife. And I went to the steakhouse and he <laughs> bought me like, you know, like, like why goo, you know, like, yeah, yeah like,
4: super
0: expensive. So beef. I
1: went with my, my, my now ex and we had dinner with him and his wife and he was a fucking prince. This guy was so great. So I got a free dinner out of it. Um, I, I got a free dinner out of it and then I got, I got all this stuff and I got, I got not dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's the big one. (laughs) I got not dead. So then we get back to America and, uh, I Google Schmitty and it turns out that Schmitty, like he owns like two F1 teams, like F1, like, I mean, he is a international power player. Um, so my ex she was, uh, she had somebody that was in the cubicle at the law firm that was, um, in the cubicle and she was just telling the story to somebody and this girl walks over and she's like, are you talking about Schmitty? And, and she's like, yeah. And she goes, um, I fled for my life from him cause I was in his harem and I oh. literally escaped with my life. And now I live in America and I pray that he never finds me.
3: Wow.
1: And, sure. um, and I was like, and she told me that story. And uh, my now ex was like, she's like, she's like, I can't believe you almost got us fucking double dead. Like, <laughs> like they, would, they would have killed us, resuscitated us with paddles, and then killed us again over and over and over <laughs> again. Like that's how scary that situation was. But I don't know what it was. But I was like, I can't back down. And ultimately, I think it ended up saving my life because I didn't back down and I didn't yeah. take his drink. So that is that is a story. That's a side story. And I talked to the director of the film and I was like, you know, you had my lav mic on. Um, like, I saw a camera from across the room that was like filming the whole thing. And I was oh. like, Are you going to put this in the documentary? And he's like, I want to live. <laughs> <laughs> was like, There's no fucking way that I'm putting this in the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it, it's kind of funny that the documentary is called "I Need You to Kill." And I literally <laughs> almost, killed almost died. It. <laughs> I almost oh, died, insane. and I almost killed. And um, uh, yeah, so that's I. I don't think I've ever told that story on a podcast. I don't know that I've ever really told that story. I'm glad that we didn't say the guy's name and yeah I think that we're safe but uh yeah. but yeah it was a really scary moment.
0: Well I'm honored that you uh opened that up with us Pete yeah that's a fucking crazy story. Crazy I'm
3: story. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad <laughs> I asked that question. Yeah, <laughs> no do? shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking love you Pete. Love you too. <laughs> love you too. It's a miracle that I'm here. <laughs>
2: Well, <laughs>
0: we're at an hour and 52, believe it or not. And there's boys. no way it's going to get better than that. No, so. no. And there's, I think we definitely need to go out on that for sure. Mm-hmm.
2: You say that, and then I'm like, oh, I got to show it a shitty dive bar next week. <laughs> 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 I, really I so bet you it say. doesn't have anything close to it, almost dying <laughs> no. by Schmidt's hand. Yeah. Schmid, I
1: love that we call him Schmidt. It couldn't be further <laughs> from his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and by the way, Schmidty, if you're ever going to listen to this, I respect you, and you would have killed me. And, uh, uh, um, I, I, you're great.
0: Schmitty and Macau, not Schmitty the pedo. Uh, oh, yeah, Schmitty. <laughs> yes. Wow. Huge. I thought we had to make sure yeah. we got that clear.
1: Enormous clarification yeah. there. Uh, yeah, Schmitty the pedo, you, you can, you're a
0: you piece can of fuck You're yeah. Fuck you, yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, you, yeah, fuck off. Schmitty and Macau, yeah. we respect you.
3: Door guys. 100% back you, don't, don't, we're good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pete,
0: uh, well, again, you're a great friend, love having, glad you made it, glad you were here, uh, you know, thanks yeah. for sharing all the stuff with us, uh, go ahead and uh, what, I, what's your Instagram since you're trying to get more followers on there? It's at
1: Schmitty, <laughs> um, <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: my, uh, my Instagram is at Pete Lee, Pete Lee, it's P-E-T-E-L-E-E Times three, peatly, peatly, Uh If you yeah, that's also my that's my Instagram, that's my uh, my uh, TikTok. I don't even care about Twitter. Everybody says they're Twitter, and like no, I have not gotten a single follower plus or minus in the last three years on Twitter. Really? And I don't care. I <laughs> literally don't care. I just yeah. want to delete my Twitter. I I hate tried it.
0: to message you, or, or I was trying to get a hold of you for the podcast, and I tried to hit you up on Facebook and Instagram, and and you didn't get back to me. And Sean goes, "Would you hit him up on Twitter?" I'm like yeah, I didn't see his Twitter. I was like, no, I did. But there yeah. hadn't, been, hadn't been any activity in like a month and a half. So I was like, I don't think he really
1: uses Twitter. I don't use Twitter. Yeah, I don't care about it. And yeah. uh, But I'm sorry I didn't return your message. Nah, um, all right. I, uh, I'll return it afterwards and be like, yo. Well, well I'll get your <laughs> phone number. Maybe I'll get your phone number now. I actually think that's the best thing. I mean, yeah. you and I have been family for how many years? I know. And in fact, and when I was
0: scrolling through my phone, I was like, I don't have Pete's number. It's like, that's crazy. That's
1: wild. No, yeah. um, you're yeah. Uh, please get yeah. my number. Call me. Sure. Yeah. We'll talk every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah, but, You know, before bed, <laughs> what you thinking about <laughs> when I wake up, <laughs> Oh my God, Vinny, I had a dream. <laughs> I'll write it down for you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we'd like to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Make sure you follow us on all of our socials at door guys, pod, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, what the fuck? Twitter, Twitter, we, yeah,
3: all, all of it, everything else. We're, we're
0: whores. We try and we try and have it all. So
3: we got a whopping uh twenty followers on Twitter. Woohoo!
1: So. <laughs> dude! It's gonna grow to twenty six <laughs> <laughs> after after this episode. I can feel it. Yeah, and then it's gonna fall back down to twenty four, and then it will go up to twenty seven. It'll, <laughs> it'll be exhilarating. Twitter, Twitter is the light. Just <laughs> <this> the future.
0: <laughs> that, that's what everybody said a while ago, and uh, apparently, it's still not the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, again, uh, thank you, Pete. Uh, if you're hearing this, well, no, I guess he'll be he'll I'm, be gone by. I mean, the time be today, gone. So, I'm gonna yeah. be gone. I'm gonna be gone. Check out the website. Make sure you check
1: catch Pete next yeah, time. Yeah. Go start. to peatley.net and uh, look at my tour dates and stuff like that, and then see when I'm coming back because I'll be back here. Sounds
0: great. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank thank you. You. Thanks. <laughs>
3: Through my bedroom wall, how to party up next door. But I'm sitting here all alone. Two lovers in the
4: bedroom,
2: and the other side. With the warm gesture, it's time, time to say goodbye.